listening to The Cannabis Agenda, your weekly source for cannabis-related news and informed discussion. We podcast for an hour every Monday covering topics related to cannabis legalization, medical marijuana, and market-related information. You can follow online with us at CannabisAgenda.com. And now, your hosts, Jamie Cass and Audrey. <laughs> Did that sound good to you? Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Yeah. Is okay. is is it okay? okay. Sounds good to is me now. Poor animal, it sounded right. a little. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a, it was, it was a bit of a beast, but, but now everything's good. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, man. How's it going? I'm, uh, I'm back at university. <sighs> And glad university. Really, really, you're like one of those guys. Really happy. Like, what do you, what do you, what do you do with yourself? Oh well, I go to the university. I'm at, I'm at university. <laughs> I spend a lot of yes, time. You're at university. I'm at uni- You go to college, but you're I'm, at university. I'm busy. I'm busy with university. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yes, you can never you tell I've been eaten for two days when I say stuff like that. Oh, I'm at university now. <laughs> university. It's, yeah. it's like if I called yeah. you and I'm like, hey, dude, you want to. You want to come over and like, you know, juice some stuff and make some juices? You'd be like, well, do can, can we juice canned foods? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, we can juice spaghetti. It's not a problem. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm an easy target. I'm out there starving and, you know, at university. But it's cool. At university. Cool. <laughs> so what do you do <laughs> at university? <laughs> Air sandwiches are much better when you're at university. A couple of air <laughs> sandwiches before my trip into university. What kind of uh, what kind of studying do you do at the university? Academic study. Academic studying <laughs> at the university is good. That's good. It's my new go uh, my new. I'm, I'm perfecting vague vagarity. I'm, I'm yeah, of yeah. Apparently, I was uh, you know that whole hoax last week that our um, zodiac signs uh, had changed. All of a sudden, I was a Pisces, and I'm like, "What the hell?" Cool. And and the one of the things about the Pisces it said was they tend to be very vague. <laughs> I was like, "Great, <laughs> man! I don't want to be." How does that work? That that change? Do you go back? Or go up, or it didn't. It's it not true. Like, it's not. It's a hoax, dude. It's it was one thing that thing. one astronomer. Oh, it was one thing that one astrologist said, and they took it. They took it and ran with it. And your signs aren't changing, man. They're not adding another sign to it or anything. You're still the same. <laughs> Good, man. That yeah. was an expensive gold chain I bought with the big giant Capricorn on there. You know, I have to totally. I was, I'm getting a. I'm getting a huge <laughs> ram tattoo on my arm, and like you know, I was. I was like. I'm actually going to meet with, with the tattoo artist today, and uh, um, I was really <laughs> bummed last week. I'm like, man, wait a minute. So now I can't, like, do any astrology <laughs> tattoos on myself? Can you imagine oh. that? Oh, man, thanks. That looks great. Did it hurt? Yeah, kind of, but it looks awesome. This just out, <laughs> astrologists say. The, the signs just say your zodiac is still <laughs> the same, people, so <laughs> don't worry about Thank it goodness. too much. Yeah. Welcome to the cannabis agenda, everybody. Um, uh-huh. We talk about pot, cannabis related stuff mostly. Occasionally, we veer just off about everything off of marijuana. Fun. Everything marijuana. Um, it gets ridiculous mm. sometimes, and sometimes it gets really serious and very real. Um, we just want to uh-huh. 
remind everyone real quickly. We are, uh, we're, uh, we're, there's three of us on the show. Um, two of us are up here in far Northern California, uh, way up in the Emerald Triangle. And, um, Jamie, you're out in the Illinois. So, uh, at uh, university. Yeah. At university in the Illinois. <laughs> oh, that's what, see, and, you got to say it that way. I'm at, I'm at university in Illinois, you know, or in Illinois at university. See, that, that gives you an excuse like, to be here in the first place. <laughs> I like the Illinois. Yeah. I don't know. Just has a ring to we, it. Yeah. Oh, so it's yeah. like I summer in the Illinois. We summer in the Illinois. In, in the river. Yeah. Are there any other, be like, what are they in the river? Are there any other states in, that you do that with? The like the, the, the like no, the Dakotas no. or the the Carolinas, I guess. Oh, but that, well, that's when yeah, they're I do together. That, that's when I'm. Uh huh. That's when I'm mentioning them as one. Um, if, maybe someday uh, we'll be able to say the Californias. That'd be sweet. That'd be pretty ooh. cool. But uh, well, yeah, some people would argue know. that it's kind of a little bit that way anyway. <laughs> well, it is, but that's it's not. Title. I mean, you know. Yeah. 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 I mean. It, it it definitely is, but it's, you know, it's not. But, uh, no, I think as far as when I'm mentioning one state, the Illinois is the only the only one that gets the the put in front of it. Hmm. I've because, never heard that before, actually, being born in Illinois. I just don't, well, I don't recall I'm ever from Kentucky. That. That's a good one. Pretty much is every time I ever went to Illinois was, what's that? The. Is it called the Kentucky? I didn't say the. No, I said I'm from You're from Kentucky. The. I'm yeah, from Kentucky, uh, it, but it's not the it, it, just. No, it's not. No, it's 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 just Kentucky. It's just Kentucky. Ah. And uh, <laughs> uh, every time I've ever been in Illinois, it's been annoying. I've been harassed by cops in Illinois. The one reason we used to go to Illinois Ill. was uh, well because you guys sell booze on Sundays, so mm. we drive in, in most places. Is there some dry Ill. counties, but they just go on Saturday and Where? get it from the next county. <laughs> they get up Sunday morning and go pop a top, woohoo! Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you got to have booze. You got to have a booze stash in Kentucky, uh, especially if you live in a dry county. So it's a weird, weird state. The majority of it does not sell booze. Really, really weird state. Love it though, but uh, obviously I don't live it. love it enough to live there. And don't sell it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's kind of revealing, some, isn't it? It's kind of like they're saying. No, no, you don't want this stuff. This stuff will kill you. But we're going to make as much of it and export it as like, <laughs> This is just for making a possible. living off of. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Speaking of booze, it's way, way mm-hmm. worse for you than weed, just in case you didn't know. Um, just in case and in case you weren't aware, marijuana is still illegal as can be all over the United States and most of the world, too. Uh, don't let yes. people fake and you, know you out and tell you it's it's not. We but. have uh, an update uh, for the tally of the total deaths um, directly caused by marijuana. You want to hear the new figure? Yes. Zero. Big goose egg. Still nobody so died from zero. cannabis. Well, you know, I don't know how many people have died from police <laughs> because they're overzealous in their approach to somebody's, you know, affinity with, for cannabis. But I... I don't know. I mean, yeah, same old, same old. And a lot yeah. of uh, a lot well, of. And I got we've got a we've got a story relating to a death related to the business of cannabis too in this in the show in just a bit. Um, but yeah, weed itself does not just for ingesting it does not kill people. Doesn't 
It just yep. doesn't do it. Not one. We really need some good drum. We really do need to to get our a, a short segment every show or other show or something where we tell some really dumbass stories about people who are way drunk. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> people do we'll just do call some it crazy. St- we Boy, can title it title "Point of it. Reference." Point of reference. Yeah, yeah, that'll be Walk the name down for that the Point of reference. Focus, <laughs> focus on this pin, and with your eyes. Oh, you're falling over, sir. You're falling over. You're, oh, whoa. Hey, all right, you're going to jail, buddy. Um, yeah. All right. So let's see. What do we do here, Jamie? We basically break down the news, right? We uh, we talk about we anything cannabis related. Becoming the masters of activistainment we talk about all things cannabis related as we've stated uh, just a moments ago um we take news stories we aggregate news stories uh we peruse all of the different information and data that's been flying around the country and the world for that matter um related to cannabis and with what we are able to consume just with us three involved uh we we choose the ones we feel that's that are more relevant um and more immediate um uh, of a more immediate interest um, to our listeners. And then we dissect it and talk about it. And, you know, oftentimes we agree because I think it's uh, probably uh, open knowledge by now to most folks that we are uh, pretty much all pro-cannabis. Um, but that, you know, we, we try to bring a show that has an objective bent to it. So we're talking about things in a literal sense and, and, and in a more uh, kind of an honest, uh, unbiased sense. And uh, hopefully we pull that off reasonably yeah well. and, and, but there's 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 no lying about it we're definitely biased towards reforming drug laws in general um absolutely I feel like the 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 government's uh method of punishing people and and uh taking away our freedoms is a complete atrocity and um something that needs changing and we do our best to uh to cover as much store as many stories as we can that mm-hmm. uh, relate to 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 those sorts of things. Um, what do you call it, Matt? Some of the stuff we do. What's it? What are they? News deconstruction. We do that too on yeah, the show. What is that? What is that exactly, Matt? You know, we we take news stories that you might find in the media, and uh, we tell you. Well, we tell you what they're not telling you, and we break it down and see. Uh, we look at how they're spun. You know, because there's a lot of spin going on in the media. Mm-hmm. It's. And if 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 you're if you're uh, if you're familiar with how they do it, you're able to detect it, and it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't work on you as well as it, uh, you know, might the general public. Gunman right. used pot. Right. He uh-huh. was. He he used the pot. Mm-hmm. He was. Uh, he was a normal pot user. We 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 uh we do we cover we try to cover stories in places where pot's not as mainstream as it is in all the medical states too and some of the like when when a grow house gets busted in a non-medical state or something where they're not used to it at all the stories are usually just outrageous so we cover we cover a lot of we cover a lot of stories related to that we cover a lot of court stuff a lot of legal issues in medical marijuana states we try to cover any any movements towards uh new medical programs and states there's uh it's, we, right. we just, we, you know, basically anything cannabis. So, um, and we absolutely thrive on your feedback. We love to hear uh, different uh, points of view, perspectives. Um, maybe things are different in your neck of the woods where you live in your state or your country if you're international. Um, you know, and we love to hear feedback about what's going on and, and suggestions, uh, criticisms. 
you know, any sure. type of feedback that you feel, you know, please share that. That helps to make the the program a little bit uh, more entertaining Speak- and interactive and, you know, useful. Sure. And speaking of international, you know, we covered a few weeks or I don't know if it was a few weeks ago, a month ago, somewhere around there. We covered the fact that uh, Holland is going to stop selling marijuana to foreigners. And we haven't heard from any um, any Holland residents yet and how they feel about that. We'd love to hear from you guys about that Um, Mm -hmm. because I know that's a huge change. Um, yep. so yeah, let us know what you guys think. If we've got any listeners out there in Holland, that'd be, uh, yeah. That'd be great. And you know, a lot of the importance of that, it, it makes a lot of sense because it's just what, uh, Cogs was just explaining to everybody that a lot of times there's a, a tremendous amount of spin. Most of the time <laughs> there's a, a decent amount of spin on these news stories. And, uh, whenever we get insight or input from different people around the world, um, about their area and the, the legal situation, um, as in regards to cannabis in their area, um, a lot of times they'll tell us things that are a lot different. Like Puna, remember from uh, Hawaii said, oh, Wait, yeah. dude, it's not all yeah. kosher here. Are you kidding me? There was just yeah. helicopters, you know, coming down and they were shaking people up and, you know, ransacking houses. And it's, you know, so those kind of insights are beneficial for everybody, you know, that listens to everybody that cares about these issues because it lets you know, it, it enhances your awareness of what's going on. There's two different stories, what they're telling you and what's really happening. So we're trying to just hopefully share the, you know, a little glimmer into what's, what's going on. So we can, we can surely use, and, and we definitely appreciate your, uh, your input. If you know anything that's going on in your area that you see that's not getting reported or maybe it's getting misreported. Yeah, one of the biggest lies since 2008 is the fact that the the, Ob- the mainstream media put the Obama administration has laid off of medical marijuana and da 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 da. Dude, it's not it's not true. It's, <laughs> it's just right. not. It's just not true. They have not laid off of it. Maybe slightly from the Bush administration, but mm-hmm. they haven't. I mean, they're they're still prosecuting people. They're still taking people down in medical states. So. Let's get to let's get into what what do we got on the agenda today, Jamie? Oh man, we got a pretty fun show. I think we got some decent stuff, uh, some interesting stuff. As usual, a lot of those stories that make you go, "Man, I really hate this," but we got to go through that because that's the reality of what we're dealing with here. Um, let me see what we got going on. We got an email from Staley. Uh, did we get some from other people? I think uh, I know we'll we'll touch on what uh, Staley sent us some stuff. Uh, comment about that a little bit. We uh, we want to announce a new project that uh, our. Our very well respected producer has uh, kind of Virtual ventured God. out onto. Yeah, betcha. Yes. Um, yep. California, there's uh, this is what well, this is the epitome of one of those stories that's really unpleasant to deal with. But uh, there's a Fresno uh, conundrum we'll discuss a little bit deeper. Someone was someone someone was dead, and and now there's new regulations. Yep. Yep. Shotguns and horrible life crushing sentences and all this stuff wrapped around Robbers. cannabis. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Cannabis etiquette today. I think we're going to talk about making rude assumptions about other people's weed. So yeah. uh, you've got a, a, a good little nugget of truth, a little, little philosophy for us down the road. Um, in the national spotlight, um, we're going to ask the question, who's responsible for keeping marijuana illegal? And I think this little clip we got for you will uh, shed some light. It's got some good uh, suggestions as to a good part of why it is le- illegal. Um, the su- Supreme Court uh, uh, is looking at uh, smell-based home searches for pot. Um, they're trying to decide, is the smell test enough to go in or do you have to get a warrant? After you sniff it. Yeah, absolutely. East Coast scoop. We got some stuff going on with uh, D.C. Finally, their medical uh, marijuana rules will uh, take effect next week. 
um, in an international weedscape. Uh, actually, this is one of uh, several stories we have um, on today's show that mentions driving uh, under the influence of cannabis or, you know, recently after smoking cannabis. Um, Israel says wait six hours. So we'll look into that a huh. little bit more. Um, yeah. Um, their authorities actually announced that that's what they or they're about to announce that. We got a good topics barely worth any of our time uh, segment today. That's full of stuff. Uh-huh. What kind of stuff's going on? Uh, big, big, big busts. Lots of, oh, lots cool. of, lots of dope. Lots of pot. Lots of high grade <laughs> marijuana. Uh, and we got a, we got a, a synthetic marijuana band. Yeah. And uh, some, of course. Hey, didn't some, the feds do that? Interesting. Uh, I think they're. Yeah, they are. Yep, I think so. And then this was they, a. Yeah, they want to do it themselves. Yep, and uh, and then uh, pizza uh, p- a pizza delivery pot service. Uh huh. That one's that amazing, cool. dude. I would like a large with everything, cheese in the crust, and an eighth of Snoop Kush. Got it, Snoop Kush. <laughs> in Canada, Quebec specifically, you can't smoke pot on the weekends and be a cop. It's not acceptable. <laughs> in Kentucky, uh, they're, ma- they're, com- they're uh, <laughs> proposing making some serious changes to, um, to their sentence- sentencing of drug convictions, which is oh. a good thing to be discussing. Yes. So it might be uh, a positive. It's a positive story. It's a talk. It's a talk. You know, at least it's positive talk. Show me the goods. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's some, it's some, some talk. So, Good deal. Uh, Going down to Kentucky. Yep, and some, same sort some talk up in Washington too. Uh, and they're all talking about changing uh, their their laws or legislation or rules or for the like better, it, you know, towards decriminalization, towards making it easier on patients or criminals in states where there are no patients currently under medical pot rules. So um, yeah, they're all you know they're talking about you know making it easier for patients and. And uh, consumers to not get in so much damn trouble over, you know, smoking a little dope. It's not such a big deal. Yeah. It's a good thing. Yeah, I know there's, uh, there's been some chaos going on in, in uh, Michigan as well. And, big daddy. Uh, <laughs> big daddy. The Oakland County deputies uh, went over and raided old big daddy. And they didn't make any arrests. It's surprising. But they did take something with them when they left. And uh, we'll talk about that a little more as well. Um, in the have you got, you have got to be kidding me segment. We have something today um, that is amazing to us that what passes for big news nowadays. Uh, we'll take a look at that. It's a clip I think we'll run later. Um, Rocky Mountain High and uh, Colorado. And uh, we, we bunch in Montana with that as well now. But uh, there's some stuff going on with uh, Legalized 2012 we talked about from Colorado on previous program. Um, we'll talk about that. They're out. Uh, they're back in the in the kind of spotlight talking uh, outwardly uh, about the need for some serious, serious changes. Um, we'll discuss that a little bit more. Also, Montana could outlaw driving for up to 25 days after smoking pot, which is a crazy thing. But on a somewhat less controversial note, uh, the Montana, uh, a Montana lawmaker also had proposed a 10 percent tax on grower sales. 
So we'll discuss the, the ins and outs of that proposal here um, as well. In the Southwest, Arizona has proposed new rules for their MedPot program. We've been all, all uh, very eagerly awaiting uh, what they're going to come out with. Um, they're only about halfway through the process, so and it's not all written in stone, but they do have some, some pretty strong proposals, and we'll discuss that a little bit more as well. And I think we're going to round up this today's show. Um, I, should, I should include, there is a clip at the end of today's show. It's uh, Judge Jim Gray, so you definitely, it's about, he think he's going to talk about why prohibition is worse than the drugs themselves. So you definitely want to stick around for that. But the last, uh, the actual, last actual story for the show, we'll, we'll end up with the Midwest. Uh, uh, very bright news, I think. It, it's really, it really kind of sucks because it's necessary. But once we get past that fact, <laughs> this is fantastic news. Uh, Representative Lou Lang, who sponsored the uh, medical marijuana legislation for the state of Illinois um, in the United States, uh, he has, as he said – completely walk the walk 100% and then some and already has introduced new legislation for the new session, the 97th General Assembly. It's uh, HB 30. So it's the Medical Marijuana Pilot Program Act. So I'm happy to say that that's coming and uh, we'll uh, definitely keep an eye on all these stories as we continue. So stick around with us. I think it's going to be good. What do you think? Excellent. Sounds like a great agenda this week. Um you guys, like we were saying just a bit ago, we love we love your participation. It's what makes this show flourish, and um, we can't do it without you. You can follow along at CannabisAgenda.com. Uh, we're going to be making some changes to the website sometime here soon in the future, so look forward to that and keep checking it out. Um, email us anytime you want, info at CannabisAgenda.com. Please send us your questions, criticisms, comments, ideas, uh, if you could scoop stories in your area that we aren't scooping, send them to us. We'd love to cover them. Um, yeah, just anything that's, you know, anything you want to communicate with us about, please feel free to email us. And you can also call 707-654-CAN, which is uh, C-A-N-N, um, or the number is 2266. Uh, subscribe. If you're, if you're a regular listener and you're really enjoying the show, you can subscribe on iTunes. It's easy to find us on iTunes now. You can search Cannabis Agenda in podcasts. You can just search Cannabis or Marijuana. You'll find us really easy. Um, and you can subscribe on there, and then it's, up, it's downloaded onto your iTunes player when it's available. Really easy way to uh, listen to podcasts. So, um, And also, we are on Twitter, and we are on Facebook, and we'd appreciate it if you'd follow us on there. Um, and if you, uh, if you do, uh, please suggest us to your friends as well. That'd be great. Um, so thank everybody. We really, really appreciate y'all for, for, for listening and, um, participating. Um, looks like we did get some emails. What, what, what did email? Did, uh, yeah, we got one from uh, Staley, right? Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what was, uh, what was he emailing about? Some changes up in uh, Washington, right? Yeah. We have the story coming up a little bit more in depthly, uh, in the show, but he did call, uh, or uh, contact us to let us know that there is a 2001, um, legislation, um, in Washington state. It's, uh, SB 5073. Um, it's called, uh, concerning the medical use of cannabis. Uh, which he says would do several different things. The sponsor of the bill, uh, Cole Wells, I don't know uh, what their first name is, but they they believe that uh, they might actually be able to pass real patient protection instead of an affirmative defense. That would be a lot better. Um, beyond that, what that uh, means what that means is what that means is they'll make it to where the cops. It'll be more difficult for the cops to arrest. Affirmative defense, in case people don't right. know, is. You still get arrested, and then you have to deal with it in court, and then you have to prove mm-hmm. in court 
that you were within your legal limits and, and your rights as a medical patient. Um, right. It just gives so you that, an option to fight something to use to fight your way out of the bad predicament. But you still have to pay for attorneys and you still lose mm-hmm. all of your medicine or money or whatever you had that they arrested you with in the first place. Um, mm-hmm. at, at least for a lengthy period of time. And it's a, a headache and stressful and you, you know, may or may not spend some time in jail. Like, uh, you know, immediately when they arrest you. So that'd be, that'd be, a, that'd be a, that'd be a really good change. No, you know, not a lot of States have that. I mean, um, here in California, it's like what, uh, they, they every County's different for the, what the, the, the cops still, it's like still up to the cops if they're going to take you into jail or not. So that'd be huge. Um, we're going to cover that a little bit more in the later on in the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there's, there's another mention of it coming up here soon. And uh, there's another uh, piece of legislation, too. I'm not really sure if that's just the House aspect or part of this or what, but we'll uh, we'll get into that um, with our uh, pot in the Pacific Northwest coming up. Cool. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, let's see. Yeah. And you guys uh, keep sending in, keep sending in any suggestions on stories we could we should cover. We really appreciate that. It, it helps us. Uh, it helps us a lot. Um, Want to thank uh, the Hotbox Pat podcast. They uh, they mentioned us on their show and they also mentioned uh, marijuana podcast dot com. Uh, marijuana podcast dot com is a what is it, Matt? Exactly. Uh, we call it an aggregator of uh, marijuana-related podcasts. So um, maybe the top six marijuana—I I wouldn't, maybe not the top, but like the—I uh, don't know. There's six pretty good marijuana podcasts that are up there right now. And um, <laughs> <laughs> when, as soon as an episode of any of them come out, they they're listed uh, in reverse chronological order uh, at Marijuana Podcasts. So it kind of makes it easy to yeah, easy to find. Um, mm-hmm. easy to find them. Absolutely. Yeah. When I think the, the hot, the hot box podcast guys, uh, they, uh, they did a, a really nice mention of us on their program and that's a good thing. And they like this marijuana podcast, uh, dot com. So that's a cool deal. Yeah. Thanks guys. Onward and yeah. forward. Yeah. Thanks for the support. We appreciate it. We appreciate your show. Yeah. And what you guys do out there. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, for um, sure. they, they did mention, uh, you know, maybe, uh, one of us going on there or them coming on our show. So we should try to do some, mm-hmm. some of that. Sure, that ah. sounds like an awesome idea. We'll see if they're up for that's it. Good. Yeah, coolness. We will. Uh, we'll contact you guys if you're listening. Um, thanks for uh, thanks for mentioning us. And um, yeah, we've talked about it before in the past. This is a. This is. It's not. We're not like really competing against each other. We're really. What we're really trying mm. to do is make change here. You know, and um, but it's a long uphill battle, and uh, we're gonna keep fighting it as long as we have to. Um, you know, so hopefully, and there, you yeah. know, there's, uh, most of the podcasts are working together. Um, so, uh, let's, let's keep at it, you know, and keep, uh, you know, I wish there were 150 podcasts that were twice as good as us that were out there right now about cannabis. I wish there was, you know, and I wish it was growing exponentially by the, by the week. <laughs> that would be a good yeah. thing. Yeah, that would that would definitely get the uh, get the momentum and the energy back into the movement. Uh, does it feel Does it feel to you like it's died a little bit since November? I feel like the, it's a it's kind of a an ebb and flow. It's kind of it it swells. It kind of goes up and down and up and down. And uh, that's what I I try to mention um, sometimes in, in in the show that people need to kind of get aware of that. If you go to any of the old heads, I call them <laughs> the old people that have been in there over like ten years or more in uh, policy mm-hmm. reform stuff, they, it, it's become evident 
to them. Even the ones that got it the la- the latest, the, by now, everybody that's been involved for that long can see this happening. It's just a, a commonality. It just kind of becomes apparent to you after a lot of time working in this. And um, you see that that you can't get overwhelmed and go, yeah, it's done. Yay, we won. And it's, it's, that's not going to happen. It might just be at the at the footstep of a downward trend and then it'll come, you know, eventually come back up again. I mean, right now it, it, it it's kind of the calm after the storm. That was a huge national man. Everybody was talking about everything. We were doing three plus hour shows. It was intense. And what's going on right now uh that you, it's probably smart to keep in your mind right now when you're thinking, whoa, did everything die down? No, it's not dying down. We had to take a breath here. Everything's going. There's a lot of things pending right now. Legalization, statewide legalization uh, measures are are coming. Uh, I think there's one in, did you say Washington State in, in 11 this year? They're hoping. And there's also yeah, several other states. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yep. yep, things are going to get really intense again. The whole idea is to stay kind of consistent. Consistency is so important. And sometimes it feels like you're pushing a weight up a hill that's just so hard and unbearable when everything gets really, really heightened. But then other times like this, when things are more quiet, it seems like, what's going on? It's, is, is it over? <laughs> what's happening? And you just have to stay the same and, you know, stay true to your your efforts and, and where you're going, you know, your goals. and. It believe me, it'll come back. It'll come back soon. It'll be very, very, very busy here. I don't know. What do you give it? A few well, months? I, I mean, I think that I think that uh, I think that it definitely. Fe- I mean, you know, around the holiday times, pretty much everything stops. It seems like so that sure. that you know that that kind of plays into it. You're right. There's tons of pending stuff going on. The big deal, the changes that's changed since November to me is the the mainstream media's coverage of the of of the of the movement. Um, like being huge. supportive, you mean? Well, I mean, I don't know how supportive Just they were it. of it, but they covered it. Remember every. Uh-huh. Every CNN, uh, uh, Fox yeah. it covered to, it over and over and over. I mean, it was just it got it to a point different. where you were kind of like ostracized. You kind of like the oddball, odd guy out if you didn't cover it in some way because everybody had major. I mean, Time Magazine did a huge, did a cover shot. They called it a marijuana, didn't they, <laughs> or something like that, Americana or something like on the cover. I mean, that's a big, huge, you know, historically pretty uh, prof- uh, strong and, you know, well-respected publication. There's, And they were all doing that. All of them had some kind of a – U.S. News did a huge thing. And uh, the the financial magazines were all doing, you know, things. And, oh, yeah. Man. I mean, MSNBC yeah, right. still has that, like, one big, you know, marijuana – the economic – the marijuana economic section or whatever. And they just cover, like – tons and to aggregate tons of stories relating to the industry um and it's i mean the the bottom line is pot sells it sells itself lots of people use it and the Mm -hmm. the controversy behind it sells and um there's no doubt about it come 2012 the the media will the mainstream media will cover it even more and uh i mean you know like we're starting to see starting i mean the 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 thing what we talked about a couple weeks ago pat robertson starting to kind of change his his opinion on (laughs) isn't it something i mean if if this sort of you know if if these sorts of things start continuing to happen in the media especially with the far conservative right the christian right if there's any change at all amongst their opinions related to marijuana i mean we're it's it's, and we're past it the tipping point we're past the tipping point if that happens 
Yeah, I mean, because those are the people that we typically try not to even. I mean, you know, in the past, in the past, it's always been my opinion. It's like you don't, you can't. There's no point in trying to change the mind of a strict prohibitionist. I mean, there, it's, it's if they're strict prohibitionists, they're strict prohibitionists. You're not, you're not really going to change their mind. They're not the ones that you're that that you're trying to convince. You're trying to convince the people that are like. Oh, you know, I know it's not that bad. I've had a, I've got a bunch of friends who used to smoke. I smoked it a couple of times, but now I'm a parent and I don't smoke it anymore because mm-hmm. I got kids and you know all that. That's where you know that's kind of where your bread and butter is, is, is uh, as far as like really like you know presenting a, a valid argument towards towards why marijuana should be more mainstream and more legal. And, um, you know, the strict prohibitionists, you're not going to change their minds. However, Pat Robertson might change their minds. So, um, that's right. We'll see. We'll see, you know, but yeah, I, I feel, I do feel like this is the, the ebb, you know, this is the kind of, sure. Where it's sort of slowed down. I mean, there's still the the people that are professional policy wonks and are trying to change policy. They're going to keep doing their job every day. They get paid to. Um, right. But the average, the average, you know, like voter that just is kind of really tuned into this. Maybe it's kind mm-hmm. of you know, it's kind of gone. It's kind of washed out a little bit for a little while. But it'll it'll come back. You know. So um, oh, yeah, big plans coming down the pike here before long. Big ones. Yep, things are changing all all the time. California. Let's get to California. Um, only got one mm-hmm. real story today in California, and it's uh, it's a story from Fresno. Um, back in September, um, there was uh, um, a shooting death, uh, a robbery. So, in a residential neighborhood in um, in Fresno, uh, right. there, seriously, like a regular, you know. Tenth of an acre to quarter acre plot, right? Small house, fence, you know, six foot fence all the way around it. Well, these dudes were going for it, and they're right in their backyard. Uh, seven, eight foot plants. Um, you know, if you if you go and Google the the media stuff for this, it's kind of tough. They're, they say hundreds of plants. It looked like it looked like fifty. It looked like a twenty five to fifty pound grow. Uh, a pretty pretty decent sized grow they were going for, and. Um, um, what happened was, uh, a two, uh, a van load and a truck load of thieves crept up into this garden one night and, um, the residents were still awake and they went out, the guy went outside and his name is, uh, five on die dong fun. How you like that? I just I rock. I can't even yeah. believe you just tried that. That's a, I'm impressed. Uh, let's, let's see if I can do it. Let's see if I can do it twice in a row. Five on Daiduang Fan. Ha ha! Yeah. Damn. Well, all right. I'm not celebrating for him because he's in, he's uh, going to jail for 25 to life. Um, let me tell you what happened here. So he goes outside. He sees a big group of guys in his garden cutting his in, plants down in Fresno, right? In Fresno, and this is harvest season, they're cutting down the crop, right? Like, I mean, these dudes are literally days, weeks away from cutting down these eight footers. And it looked, it looked, it's it's a 25 to 50 pound grow. And so he goes inside and he gets his gun and he comes back outside and he shoots his gun in the air. So here's where this, here's where the story gets lost, right? Here's where it's all, all up into the interpretation. Um, Apparently, the van, had a driver in it and a couple people got to it real quick and it squirmed off real fast and was gone right 
And then the dudes with the plants ran to the truck as fast as they could and threw the plants in the back of the truck and jumped in the truck and started to drive off. Well, this was a corner house, right? And they were on one, one street. Well, when they drive off, they take a right along the house on the other street. And this is when Daiduan Fong said they stopped and the window was down and they waved a gun, right? Mm-hmm. At this point, he shot into the passenger side front window and killed the passenger. Ooh. Okay. When he was arrested, he said, so this guy doesn't speak very good English. He probably does not really understand what the law is. He probably believes that like, if someone's just on your property, you have the right to shoot them, especially if they're stealing from you. It's not that black or white in, uh, in California, at least. Um, and um, so he said, they rob, I shoot. That's what he told the police when they, um, when they came there to, to question him. They, they pretty much immediately decided that this guy had, uh, had done the wrong thing and arrested him. There's reports that there were three shots. They've never found a gun. They didn't find, I, I don't know, they didn't get into, none of the stories really get really well into the forensics, uh, but I would imagine they didn't find residue on any of the people that were there or the guy that got killed or anything like that, and they never did find a gun. They ended up giving these, these, these thieves immunity um, so that they could mm-hmm. testify in this case, right? And um, this, he, he was, he was, they were trying to pin him for, pin this guy for murder. And they mm-hmm. pinned him, they pinned him for, it looks like he ended up getting convicted of voluntary manslaughter, which uh, will uh, yield him 25 to life. And he will be sentenced on February 9th. So, all right. So there's two separate issues here. One, there's there's the what's your rights when someone's in your in your backyard robbing you, right? If they're stealing your lettuce. What would you do? Would you shoot them, Jamie? Probably not, right? No, but I'd sure act like I was going to shoot them. I'd sure I'd sure make them need a change of boxer shorts when they got home. The best I so could, you, anyway. You'd go outside and shoot your gun in the air, then. Yeah, you're all gonna die i'm psycho and i'm hungry i'm lusting for your skull i'm gonna make a whatever out of your skin don't you <laughs> i would think, put on don't a show <laughs> they would believe i was a complete lunatic psycho until they were gone and then i'd go in and just be pissed because all my stuff was ripped off <laughs> wouldn't you be scared i'd be scared yeah. dude if there was oh, a yeah absolutely two- if you're not loads. scared, you're an idiot or sleeping. One of the two, because, you know, what, how many did you say? There's several guys at least. A van load and a truckload. So oh it, sounds, it sounds like there had to have been at least five guys. And see, here's the thing. So you see all this reporting, and I watched every news clip from Fresno News to try and, to try and decipher all this story, you know, and read everything. They don't get into details with these cases. They don't lay it all out there. It's not on the news for you to, like, find out every single intricate detail of a murder case like this, which is weird, you know. But here's the thing. Weren't they stealing a very valuable commodity? I mean, Absolutely. I mean, you know, um, but at the same time, weren't they leaving? You know, now it's all, right. in, in, you that's know, they exactly were driving. Right. I think that's off. why he got that charge, because the, he didn't have to, to defend his life. They were taking care of that for him. They were taken off. So I think the only questionable thing that might still exist is, what did the person in the vehicle that was, you know, robbing the guy have a gun pointed at him? Because that's different. That might You might be scared for your life if that's happening. 
That's what that's what Dio Dong Fong. Ah, I love it. I can get it out. That's what he says. He says they, they <laughs> but but they never found a gun. However, they shot. He shot this guy, and the drivers drove off. They didn't just like right. s- stay around. You know, they drove off. So a gun could have been thrown out, um, but apparently is never found. Um, they didn't find oh, any right. residues. So that's the problem. Yeah, this guy was convicted of murder. Um, apparently, when he testified, his. Um, his testimony kind of changed from the morning testimony to the to the night test to the afternoon testimony. Uh, his attorney says that's uh, because of you know it's lost in translation because the language he speaks was so different from English. The translation wasn't good, mm-hmm. but uh, in the, this guy claims self defense. His family claims self defense. It was a pretty big pot garden. They were evicted from the home, um, and. Uh, I mean, they're going for it, dude. They're really going for it in a tiny little, mm-hmm. tiny little residential space. Um, the city of Fresno, immediately after this, what they moved to do immediately was put a moratorium on all pot growing in the city. They wanted, no matter what, indoor, outdoor, whatever, they wanted to put a moratorium <laughs> on it. And they ended up not doing that, and instead they banned outside growing. Mm. So... Now you're getting into patients' rights versus mm-hmm. public safety. I got to admit, it's probably not safe to have a 25 to 50-pound garden going on with the current value of marijuana in a residential neighborhood like that. Sure. I, that's, that's a high potential for problems, and uh, prohibition might kill you. I, I, I mean, you could get robbed like they were. You could end up having to hurt Because someone, of prohibition, right? Hurt. Right. You could end up hurt, hurting someone or having to hurt someone. Or because being of prohibition. Hurt. Exactly. You could end up getting robbed by the cops. I mean, that's that, prohibition. That, that's the other thing. The, the well, news, that's not necessarily prohibition. That's just the, really some shady well, cop action happening there. Well, the news, the news covers this as a Fresno man who is authorized to grow marijuana under California's medical marijuana law has been convicted of fatally shooting a thief. So... Yes. They make it like his garden was definitely a legal garden. I bet if the cops found it first, they may have arrested his ass and chopped all this stuff down. You know, uh, they, they, the, the media keeps covering it like he was within his rights. I'm not so sure that he, that he was. Now, there was a couple other cardholders in the house, but it's there's, you know, something to land use regulations. Um, and there's reasons why they exist. Marijuana is still a very valuable commodity. And, and this, you, you probably, it's crazy that I'm, I feel like this is way out of the ballpark for me because I'm typically, you know, let people grow it. It's just a plant. Da, 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 da. But the problem with it is how expensive it is and how much money it's worth. And if you're growing a big garden like that in a tiny space, in a residential community and you can see the entire backyard is up above the fence the six foot fence i mean you're kind of putting yourself your neighbors other people in danger um i'm not so sure that that a complete moratorium like completely stopping all outdoor growing is necessary but the garden should be smaller they should do their best it should be contained or hidden from view you shouldn't be able to see it from the street or anything like that i mean you know like stuff like that definitely needs to be done i'm just feeling like uh this is one of those things too we've talked about this in the past on the show a lot too how 
you know, it's crazy. We all grow indoors because it's illegal, and it's a lot of grow. A lot of you know, a lot of people grow indoors because it's illegal. It's the easiest way to hide the crop, et cetera, et cetera. Another cause of prohibition. But the environmental, you know, expense of of growing indoors is very high. And so here we go. Like when when you live in a place like Fresno, where you can grow, you can really grow outdoors in Fresno. Now you can't, you know, because of robberies and violence and you so you have to bring it back indoors um where like in a place like fresno in the summer it's incredibly hot you're looking at huge expenses just to keep your room cool um this is a real dilemma uh for people that are legitimately wanting to grow their medicine for themselves and all they want to do is throw a few plants in their backyard not i have a question what's up now if we had a full legalization in Cali when this happened, do you think that there, that would, uh, evaporate that? I mean, it would just disintegrate the whole existence of people out there trying to rob people for their weed. No, no, because it would still happen. Yeah. It's still something they want. They don't have to go through all the trouble to grow it and wait and all that stuff. With full legalization in California, there'll still be a huge part of the black market export exporting going on to the rest of the States. The value is still going to be artificially propped up. So it's still going to be an expensive commodity until it's full legalization or, you know, across the board throughout the country. It's going to be sure. it's going to be an artificially inflated product. And, um, and around anything that has value like that, uh, there's a decent amount of organized crime and unorganized crime. And uh, so so, no, I don't think that full on legalization will take care of that problem at all. Still. I mean. I don't. I think that uh, to some degree it still exists. I mean, you know, cars are legal. People still get killed for their cars. You know, yep. people shoes are legal. People got get killed for their shoes. I don't know if that's really true. That so, might be an urban legend. But, you no, know, it is um, true. It is true. Definitely. Oh, George was back in the day. OK. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, so, no, I think things that are expensive and out of the reach of of people that, that can't afford them, there's always going to be some some sort of criminal element involved. So no, I don't think uh, legalization will completely curb that, but I think it would change Possibly it. Possibly softened it. It wouldn't be so severe in their minds. That guy wouldn't have said, "They're still in my weed. I can't." You know, it's so hard to get, and I went through all this trouble and risk to get to this point. Maybe kind of over. He was heightened. Emotions were heightened greatly at that moment, and he just in the moment. Yeah. I mean, and there's other, there's other, other things to the story too. Apparently there are pictures taken. They found pictures taken from some of the the robbers of the place. So they maybe been staking it out. They knew to like, they knew that it was like a prime time to go that you'd be cutting down plants with like bountiful buds on it and stuff, you know? So, um, there was some planning involved, I, you know, as far as your, what your rights are to like go and kill people. Uh, that's, that's, I'm not really a, a, an expert. (laughs) <laughs> right i would I, would, I am not either far from it but i would think uh, that it's it's if you are in direct if your life is directly threatened you're under direct threat for your life or even your well-being i mean if something's going to render you really messed up or are harmed in some way then i think that's probably just so what if he just started shooting them in his backyard before he, before before firing the you know i mean because potentially firing a warning shot could have given them time to shoot him Right. Yeah. 
if I don't know how that could have played out. You know, I'd really like to know more about this case. It's very interesting. It's unsettling, that's for sure. No matter how you look at it, it's not a very pleasant thing. But it, I wonder it, if uh, if you would have shot one of those guys in his yard, they may have still had a the fire. If they did have a firearm, then they may have still had that on them, and then they would have found that. And he could have easily said, "Look, man, I was getting attacked in my own yard. I don't know these guys, and they came running at me with a gun." I think any jury in the planet would go, "Yeah, I think I'd have shot the dudes too." I would have been mortified by the fact that I did that, but I would have did it because. You know, it just seems like it's it's my life or theirs. But sure, and then there's and then yeah. there's the whole other thing. There's a big issue with even being allowed to have guns with your medical marijuana. I know some states are starting to say if you're a patient, you're not allowed to have guns, et cetera, et cetera, right. stuff like that. So on the one hand, so it's like you can you can have this crop, but then you can't protect it. Uh, the value. This is just a it's a really deep issue when it comes to. What should be allowed? What shouldn't be allowed? There obviously has to be a way to make sure that medicine is provided for patients in the state of California. But I don't these these guys were not growing their own medicine. <laughs> they weren't. <laughs> they were going for it. You know, they were really trying to hit it big, and um, it, with what they they're, could in their little backyard. So you, mean, you know, by going for it, you mean they were attempting to improve their station in life. They were trying to come up in the game you know what i'm saying they were mm -hmm. they were they were trying to make a they were trying to make a mint dude they were they were trying to make money there's no way that what they were growing in their backyard they were going to smoke until the, the harvest following the next year it's just this is right. it's unreasonable to even even claim that they're trying to make money um so here in the paper that you know where they're saying they're they're you know authorized to do this and they were doing it legally and whatnot. It's kind of far from the truth. Um, if a cop had came there, I bet they would have busted them, cut their stuff down, made them you know use an affirmative defense in court. It would have been a tough one for them to. They probably would have had to plead to some sort of maybe a misdemeanor, potentially a low level felony. Um, but uh, um, you know it, the thing here is the land use. When you bring something like that into a small residential area and you're going for it like that, to that extent, it's not necessarily safe. And so I guess here what I'm getting at is, you know, does Fresno have the right to ban all outdoor growing? It seems to me that banning all of it is a little bit too much because... Mm -hmm. People have expensive stuff in their yard, you know, like everyone has a shed with their mower and their weed eater, and maybe it's a nice riding lawn mower. And no more sheds got, allowed, sorry. Yeah, and they've got, you know, and people have $50,000 cars in their driveways and stuff too. I mean, you know, so um, there's valuable things all over the place. Um, this is a is – a, there's something still and, and and that may be you know that is prohibition probably that makes it such a like uh desirable thing to steal you know for thieves mm -hmm. um yeah, it's more difficult to get and the risk factor you you circumvent that whole risk factor you know to a large degree anyway just because you don't have to go through that whole oh my gosh we got to acquire all this equipment and stuff we don't want to raise eyebrows and we're growing yeah. all of our weed now and it's way more than we're supposed to have we don't want to get busted now it's time to harvest gosh i hope the smell doesn't escape <laughs> hope we did everything right and blah blah you don't have to I do think anything what, you just i think fresno's gone a little far 
What they should have done yeah, is too. said, like, you can have X amount of plants, which I think the state minimum, well, there isn't, SB 420 doesn't exist in California anymore, so but they could sh- should have tried to set their own minimum, which they're saying is zero now, but they could have set a minimum, like 10 plants, or, or a maximum, 10 plants, or whatever, and they have to be under, you have to maintain them under your fence line, you have to make, if they're above your, if we can see them over your fence, whatever, something like that, that sort of stuff, that's when you're, you know, you're breaking the rules, um, to, to, to take it all the way to zero uh, is is kind of going a little far, I think. So, mm-hmm. um, but uh, we will uh, we'll follow this story in the future. If there's any more, you know, fallout from it, I'm sure there will be. I'm sure there'll be people that want to grow a couple plants in their yard in Fresno, and they're going to get in trouble for it. And they're two teen patients, and really, they're within their legal rights in the state. Mm-hmm. Really are, and we'll see lawsuits based off of this. So we will. Uh, we will cover more of this in the future. Yo, it's time to get us some etiquette talk, right? Uh huh. What's uh What's our topic for today? I was thinking we were discussing it earlier. I think we decided we would talk about making rude assumptions about other people's weed. In other words, once you do you ask somebody to smoke you out, should you ever? Sometimes this is okay. Is it not? What about the guy that that you know? You know him. You. You know, whoever you are listening to me right now, you know this person. The person that always comes around is always your bud and always wants to hang and always goes, hey, you want to smoke some weed? And you're like, sure. And then they just stand there. (laughs) As if to non-verbally say, okay, well, pull some out. (laughs) The dude on the couch. (laughs) Yeah, on the couch. (laughs) He just gets up and rolls your shit up, doesn't even ask. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Did you uh, encounter one of these guys? I, I, know, oh. I, I think I know a few of these guys. Yeah. I think I've ran into them too. Yeah. Like you, see, what you get in Illinois is someone like asking you, like, hey, let's mm. smoke some weed. And then they stand there and they're like waiting for you to like, you know, roll up some weed Produce and load it. a bowl. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Cool. That's a great idea here. Uh-huh. <laughs> and here, here it's like they just start smoking your weed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think in some places there's an unspoken understanding that that's it's all meant to be shared. Um, And there is something there is something to cannabis about that too. We do we it is a shared thing, right? I mean, we share it it with people all the time. That's kind. I I have never gotten weed and kept it to myself ever, ever. And I'm not saying, hey, look, I'm big hoity toity guy above anybody. I'm not saying anything. I'm not making any kind of weird comment about it. I'm just saying in a literal sense, actually in the truth, I've never done that. I've never done that. I might have had like one little bud left or something and said, oh, that's all I got for a certain occasion that's coming, you know, in, a, in an hour or the next morning or something. And I'll save that back or something minor like that. But I've never, every time I get a, even like small quantities when I don't have much money at all and I just barely got an eighth, I would start, hey, look at the, and if it, the better the weed, the more robustly I'm like, throwing it out to everybody i'm like hey look at this is great check this out doesn't smell awesome yeah you can have that bud take that one with you it's like no i want to smoke some well you just take that one with you and we'll smoke some of this and people are like wow that's awesome so you know if that's another thing if you if you if you behave that way i don't know other people that do that too but if you behave that way then people start to know that <laughs> they start to realize that <laughs> kind of like a big school of of carp or something at a fishery and when you walk up to the edge of the pool, they know that you're going to throw some of those pellets in there they can eat, and they all come right over to you. It kind of happens that way with weed, too, if, you, if you're notorious for, you know, sharing really openly. Which most, most I mean, I, 
now that I'm thinking about it, like I don't really know too many stoners that don't share their weed. I mean, I, you know, yeah, yeah that, that, it's that, kind like, of really smoke, you know, smoke a decent amount opposite. of it. It's kind of contrary to cannabis, the nature of cannabis itself. And it kind of on its face, it's just kind of the opposite of weed. I mean, you do it and I don't know. I'm glad right, I haven't like, seen anybody like that either. And I hope I don't. You know, I think who you're talking about is the dude that always wants you to smoke your pot with him or the dude or girl that always wants you to smoke your weed with them, but never smokes their weed with you. Always. Yeah. And yeah, consistently. And it's kind of become uh, a modus operandi for them. Like they they, they just plan on that. They in their mind, they realize that, well, that's just the way it works out anyway. So they don't go attempt to find any cannabis or or, to get any weed of their own to share. They don't they don't think about things like, wow, you know, maybe I can get some of this great stuff and then turn him on to that. That would be a cool thing, you know, kind of reciprocal. They just don't. That's not activity sure. that's happening in their brain they're just going oh dude i'd like to get a buzz then i'll go to his house and see if he's got any weed <laughs> okay yeah. now here's something to bring up when it comes to this uh-huh. so i'm going to so-and-so's house they're definitely going to have weed at their house right mm-hmm. and, and we're going to smoke for sure right but should i still bring if i and let's say i live in nebraska mm-hmm. where you know it sucks to get caught with an eighth you know sure. um then is it righteous of me not to bring my weed because it could get me in trouble? And should it, should then I be making sure to continuously invite those that get me stoned at their house to my house to get stoned? Is that, does that play a, a potential role in this too? Like people not having weed on them because they're paranoid. Yeah. I think so. I think the, the safety thing, if that's really a legitimate concern there, that makes sense then, you know, I mean, if that's a legitimate, an honest concern that's there that's that's really true that that there is a high potential to get zapped then yeah that's i think that's a legitimate stance to take i mean i don't know but but you know that doesn't mean it's all over with because just like you said there's a lot of ways to get around that and that's a great one have them over intentionally you know to to hang out and to you know have conversation and have some laughs and share some smoke yeah that makes sense that makes sense excellent this was this was a good one. Um, and uh, okay, so the, guys, so the bottom line here is be generous. Con- consider that as something that should naturally happen with cannabis. Be generous. I mean, don't go up to a stranger and go, "You want some bud?" He'll go, "Sure, come on with me. This is my badge." But uh, you know, people you know that can trust to whatever you know extent. Then yeah, be generous with your weed. That's what we're saying. Don't be a stingy guy. But you know, the biggest point we want to make is, please, nobody likes a sponge. I mean, there's ripe times. If I have no money and I don't, you know, I'm gonna get some money again. It's like an ebb and flow in that in that category too. Believe me, for most people, I think, you know, and maybe you're in a downtime, downswing, and you're gonna get paid next week or whatever. Sure. I don't think it's an issue at all. I don't want to make people like nervous about, should I ask or should I, what, what should, I don't know what to do. I mean, there's no set rules anyway. It's just, you know, the, 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 the major underlying point here is that's not cool. But what is it? What is it to consider others feelings? Kind of the golden rule type of mentality. Um, perhaps maybe people should engage in that and think about it for a second. Would I like it if it was my weight and everybody was doing that to me? I don't know. Smoke with others how you would want them to smoke with you. There you go. That's the green, the green, the green roll. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I love it. That's an update I can live with. 
<laughs> the green rule. <laughs> That's the title of the show. All right. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah, totally. It's a, it's a big deal. If you're broke, maybe don't smoke. You know, if you're going to be broke for a long time, maybe you shouldn't smoke unless you, you know, unless you know that you're with people that love you and definitely want you to be high too, but don't right. expect it is the thing. That's right? the difference. Like, you betcha. That's that right there. That is the rub. That's the part that, that matters the most. I mean, some people, most people don't, I don't think, I don't know. Maybe I'm kind of a, a Loxian guy. I'm, I'm pro human nature. I think that uh, left to our own device, we'll, we'll generally tend to do good or do the right thing. Well, a lot of people don't believe that, but more importantly, a lot of people don't live that way. <laughs> they just go take, take, take whatever I can get. <laughs> it's good. It's kind of their time perspective. You know, they're stuck in the, the hedonistic present. It doesn't matter what happens or what's going to happen or any plans. Do what I can right now, you know, and try to avoid pain and, and seek pleasure. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not downtrodden or trying to, you know, bad mouth somebody's choice for lifestyle, but Sometimes when you're in that mode of thinking, you don't take into consideration other people's feelings. Oh, sure. Yeah. I've, interest. I've seen it. I've mm. seen it before. People, uh, I actually had an incident last year um, at a, when a guy was all high at a show and we were at the campground. I didn't even know this guy. And he's just sitting there and he's like, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm high, man, I really need to just, the pot needs to keep flowing. Just needs to keep flowing, you know? So hand like, it and over. I'm, and I'm like, <laughs> So smoke it up, dude. And he's like, oh, I don't have any. And I'm like, shut the fuck up, man. <laughs> you're annoying your flow right is now. low. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. 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 No expectations. I think that's the key, you know. But, right. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this is a great. Guy. This is a really fun segment i'm so glad that I you like, came up it's yes. so much better than the scary fresno type creepy stories that i can't stand <laughs> it just always we can like we should probably <laughs> start like putting it in the show where where we know like oh we've already covered a bunch of bad shit let's do this yeah. now and it will like make us happy yeah. again and you know and it's like yeah. it's time for me to like take a bong load talk about etiquette get happy again because man there's a lot of depressing stuff related right. to uh to cannabis so well, it kind Family of can help was killed the little girl was taken and held for ransom if somebody wouldn't give up their weed <laughs> yeah it's like yeah, what in definitely. the when he saw more right. like man man arrested for hiding cannabis in his ears <laughs> they found a, <laughs> a four ounce yeah. stuff between both ears that would be great seriously when this is where it helps for us to have, like, remember when we had the bear story in Canada or whatever, the dude was uh, trying to train bears to protect his garden or whatever. Right. <laughs> they, they the guy walking across the street with buckets in front of the cop car. <laughs> oh, that guy, poor bastard. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So this is where your participation, the listener, can really help out here. If you have any of these really lighthearted stories or ideas for our etiquette, our cannabis etiquette segment, please email them in, call us with them, whatever. Perhaps we should even do a guest day where we do a guest ed- etiquette s- session where we just have listeners calling in to talk about etiquette for mm-hmm. a while. We kind of cover etiquette for a bit, a call-in show where we do a bunch of etiquette stuff so that we could, you know, because we're trying our best to extract these different things from our experiences, but all of you have had so many different experiences all over the world Mm -hmm. in the United States 
that 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 it'd be good to share these sort of things, and and this uh, this segment could really kind of flourish. So, absolutely, um, yeah. to sweeten the pot a bit. No pun intended. Uh-huh. Let us know what you think about it, guys. We really like to hear back on it. So, uh, let's move on to the national spotlight. What's up? Who is responsible for keeping marijuana illegal? That's a good question, huh? Someone going to answer it for us? Yeah, we got, uh, you know that, you guys watch True TV at all? You know, the the show Conspiracy Theory on there by Jesse Ventura? Uh Oh, yeah. 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 The governor. The governator. Uh No, that's not the governor. That's the uh, the governor. That's the ungovernator. They should wrestle, dude. Those two should should wrestle. wrestle. That would be a match. That'd be awesome. (laughs) I would love it because I need extra, like, dinner money, and I could make some serious college food bucks betting on Jesse. He's not. I bet on, I bet on Jesse too. <laughs> yeah, he's the American. He's the American. You got to go for Jesse. He's a he's big a, like meathead, kind of you know guy. But people don't understand. Uh, if you look at his history, he's gotten straight A's from like kindergarten all the way through college. He's oh, a, and he was he's like, a bright guy. He was like yeah. a, a, a he's never done anything too. just to do it. He's never done anything just to do it good. He never just got on the football team and did well and then moved on like most people do. You know, if they're lucky, um, he just like does everything exemplary. You know, he can't yep. go to Vietnam and serve uh, in the military. He's got to go as a Navy SEAL, you know, point commando and like five tours or something. You know, he, you just got to check the guy out and give him a chance, you know. but Yeah, yep. you have to get past his voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's whole everything. If you just don't like look at him <laughs> and, and get the transcript typed out, you'll be you'll be good to go. So, um, yeah, I heard that, uh, that, uh, true TV had to cancel a couple episodes of his, uh, his show because they were too controversial. Ooh, what? Yeah. That's what I like about him. Man. Yeah. He's afraid to jump in there. And he, he talks about cannabis in no uncertain terms. Yeah. They, <laughs> oh, and he, he calls people out. They'll like when he's inter- when he's talking to prohibitionists and they start, mm-hmm. he's like, that's not no, true. That's not true. <laughs> yeah. That's what he says. But that's not true. Yeah, and he like he like bulks up and his muscles get all tense and the dudes are like, oh, they like feel like he's gonna jump through the TV and strangle them. <laughs> yeah, awesome. awesome. Well, I don't, I don't think. Know. He, go ahead. What should do you know what the issue, what the topics were that were too controversial? I I think they had to do with the new world order sort of thing. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, we sh- we won't mention that anymore. Let's move forward. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, I don't think he actually appears in this clip we're going to play, but it's a clip from his his show. Um, it's kind of a man on the street interview about who is responsible for keeping marijuana illegal. Nice. Cool. Shout, Shout out to Jesse. We love you, buddy. <laughs> Anybody who's ha- having faith in capitalism right now is not going to want marijuana legalized because it cuts into too many profit structures. It's the corporations first, and then they put pressure on the government. Definitely the government and the people who have in this country. I think the politicians are responsible for probably keeping marijuana illegal. In 1935, the Marijuana Prohibition Act was installed because during this period, the two billionaires who ruled our economy were um, William Randolph Hearst. DuPont, if I could sum it up in one word, DuPont or Dow Chemicals. There are 30,000 raw materials that can be made out of marijuana. You got this this plant that grows right out of the ground naturally that can, can provide you with all the textiles, oils, fabrics, 
and other types of materials. Bugs don't like the way it tastes, so it has no herbicides or pesticides, no cancer. I'm sure the pharmaceutical companies don't want medical cannabis successful to anyone who can grow it in their backyard. Pharmaceutical companies um, help to keep it illegal because then they can benefit more from their drugs and medicines. They put you on these government pills that just, like, it seems like every time you turn around, they're putting you on something that doesn't work for you, but they want you to take it anyway. Why? To give you health problems. The prison system has, you know, they love the fact that marijuana is illegal. It's the same contractors that used to build schools, but now they're being paid fat contracts by the states and the federal government to build prisons. The Correctional Corporation of America makes billions of dollars a year with these people being in jail. How much money are they going to make if the prisons are empty? That's stupid that they're building prisons to put pot smokers or pot growers in there. That's that's dumb. I heard that uh, God looked at it and said it was good, and uh, apparently it is. We make <laughs> clothing out of it. We make uh, rope out of it. Uh, and smoking pleasures. I just don't think it's that big of a deal. I think it's a whole lot of hoopla over nothing. I heard, I heard God looked at it and said it was good. Said it's good. <laughs> was he was good. pretty ripped. That, that was me, actually. He was pretty ripped. He didn't know. He didn't know who was talking when I said that. <laughs> that was great. Um, yeah, that that's a good, that, that was a good, you know, that breaks it down right there into a lot of it. Um, I I think the I think the two biggest the two biggest things are the money put into the political system from the oh, plastics absolutely. companies, the chemical uh, companies, and the pharmaceutical companies. And um, the cotton company. Well, yeah, and I and cotton potentially back in the day. Mm, I don't know if it's as big of a deal anymore. Maybe, yeah. I mean, I I'd throw. I guess I throw. You know. Tech, the powerful companies that are involved in plastics, chemicals, textiles, uh, mm-hmm. pharmaceuticals, uh, and now you've got the damn, you know, privatized uh, prison system wanting to keep marijuana mm-hmm. illegal too. Um, so, and you know, I mean, whew, man, if that level big. of financial incentive involved, then you know that they're driven intentionally on, uh, you know, really profiteering. Or uh, on uh, prohibition, so I mean, it, it, it's it's kind of undeniable, <laughs> and 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 being as the as how things are right now, you uh, you have to imagine they're not going to put all this effort into uh, forming all these new uh, private prison like prison for profit uh, corporations and all these other the the whole uh, drug testing uh, industry was you know given birth to from prohibition and there it's the same group of people that does these really hard tough love type of uh rehab high very expensive rehab places and they they, they do all, all of those things that we're, we're talking about there it's the same general group of people that are involved with capitalizing on this uh kind of the demise of others and you know i don't know if you thought it was justified that cannabis really if if hypothetically it really was evil and bad i think that this would be bad practice but knowing just even what we do about cannabis, it's it's uh it's really unthinkable that you know a huge group of concerted individuals can put forth this effort you know to just I don't know they reap millions and millions and millions of dollars off the back of backs of all kinds of people that just happen to you know have a affinity for cannabis. Yeah, it b- brings two thoughts to mind. One. 
this privatized prison thing is is a whole mm-hmm. separate issue. We we have a intuition here on the show that it's a bad thing. We really should talk to someone mm-hmm. about it that knows a lot about it at some point uh, and and do a do an interview with them. You know, a good twenty minute interview so that, that we can really highlight. Um, what the changes have been recently within the the prison systems in the United States and how the privatized systems work and you know it'll make it'll make it it'll make a lot more sense. But there's a lot of money thrown. And then the other thing is, man, Pat Robertson should just say it. You know, I heard that God looked at <laughs> weed and He said it was good. Well, I'm Pat ounces. Robertson. I can confirm that because I talked to him the other day and he said, "Yeah, hell yeah." I said that. He said, "I said that, Pat." It is good. What did he say? He said it shouldn't be a big deal up to a few ounces. Isn't that what he said? Someone has a few ounces. Yep. I remember it was, it was three ounces. <laughs> check it out, people. It's yeah. back last week or was it two weeks ago? But uh, I think it was check it out. A couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. His point was uh, he's trying to say he doesn't like cannabis and he's not pro right. cannabis, but he's saying he doesn't, he thinks it's ridiculous that we're hurting and destroying people's lives because of a plant that doesn't kill people. He's saying, look, a decent fraction of my own followers are using it, and I don't want them to right. get in trouble just for using a little bit of cannabis. It doesn't make sense, you know? Like, yeah. that's probably what they're starting to realize. You know, right. even within well, their far, you know, I mean, there's got to be people even within that that small, you know, fundamental Christian, you know, um, portion of society that use cannabis, too. So Yeah, it's actually um, a pretty sizable portion of society. <laughs> it's kind of right. scary. But, uh, oh, yeah, but the, the, the 20 to 25 percent of the far fundamental right. But I mean, I wonder, you know, like w- if you compare the amount of people within that population, how many of them use, you know, on a ratio basis, cannabis, one out of every 10, one, you know, a half out of every 10, two out of every 10 in comparison to the regular population where it's what? What, what is it about three out of 10 right now? 30 percent of the people, something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I might might be wrong about that, but uh you know, it's, it's a significant portion. So, Oh, sure. Definitely. Undeniably a significant portion. Uh, this looks like a significant story. Um, Uh-oh. we've talked, you got this, this, you, this is you, uh, you got the sniff this, test. This, this, yeah. Yeah. What's the deal with this? Scratch and sniff sniff? Send you to jail. Hot, hot, hot <laughs> scratch and sniff cards. Are we sending them out? That's way back in the shows guys. That is, that is some way back. Man, I forgot all about those. I never did get one of those things either. Me neither. Well, the, well, the Supreme Court, this is the United States Supreme Court, by the way, uh, looks at smell-based home searches for pot. You can check the story out as usual. As you can hear it, it's posted on our site. Check out our source material anytime we're talking about a story. This particular one, actually many of them from this program, happen to be from Toka the Town from Stephen Elliott. Steve Elliott uh, does an excellent job on this blog, so I encourage our listeners to check it out. But the question here is, can police kick down your door if they smell pot? Some Supreme Court justices think yes. Uh, police that smell uh, pot coming from behind an apartment door can enter a home without a warrant because they believe the evidence is being destroyed. Some U.S. Supreme Court justices said last Wednesday, more than 60 Why? years ago. Is this, in, is this relevant in medical states too, or is this just in general, federal? Are they talking about federal cops? What, I mean, uh, well, it's a federal law, and they don't uh, they don't acknowledge medical cannabis in the federal level. You know, so sure. I, I would assume that yeah, right. that means in a general right, right, sense, right. but. Um, more than 60 years ago, this is back when they had uh, 
um, um, what was it opium dens all over, and that was a big popular thing then. Um, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that police couldn't enter a residence without a warrant just because they smelled burning opium. Um, that's what, according to Adam Liptak from the New York Times. But on Wednesday, during the argument of a case about what police were entitled to do upon smelling weed outside the door of, get this, a Kentucky apartment, uh, two justices were concerned that the court may be ready to eviscerate the 1948 ruling, which stemmed from a Seattle case. And uh, there's a quote here. It says, aren't we just simply saying they can just walk in whenever they smell marijuana, whenever they think there's drugs on the other side, as Justice Sonia Sotomayor, uh, considering what a decision against the defendant would tell the police. Um, she says, wouldn't that, wouldn't that tell the police, why do we even bother giving them a search warrant? You know, why we even need one in the first place? That's a, that's a serious breach of, of our law and our civil liberties. In a, in a, I mean, well, in sure. A and I mean, then you go into, well, what if you just start walking dogs around neighborhood, you know, drug dogs around mm-hmm. neighborhoods and ooh, oh, <laughs> mandatory know, like, resident, resident drug testing. <laughs> it's part of the, it's part of the, what do they call that? Whenever there's like rules for your neighborhood, I forgot what they call that. Yeah. It's, that's going to be on the list before long. Imagine that. This is a big deal to me because in California, for instance, just because you get pulled over and you smell like pot doesn't necessarily mean that you've done anything illegal. Right. So a state cop pulls you over and you smell like weed. Let's say you smell like weed because you've been trimming it all day and you don't even have any on you, but you stink. I mean, you smell like there's plants growing in your car. Mm -hmm. That apparently is reasonable suspicion for them to rip you out of your car and basically probably tear it apart if they want to. Um, but yet you didn't have any pot on you other than the crystal still stuck to your fingertips. <laughs> They're like, I mean, thank you. Have a good yeah. night. <laughs> yeah. They end up arresting you for that fan leaf that's stuck on the bottom of your shoe. No, I mean, mm-hmm. how is that? Do you see what I'm getting at here? Just because like what? the, maybe you were smoking marijuana even. But you you weren't, but the passengers in your car were, and they have a little bit of marijuana on them, and they stink. So mm-hmm. what? So what? What's the big deal? I mean, uh, maybe. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying, you know, <laughs> uh, this is just how I feel. It's like I'm not so sure that the, the, the suspicion's there anymore if it's a legal activity. If they go, okay, mm-hmm. I smell marijuana, and you're like, well, here's my 215 or my here's my doctor's recommendation or my whatever – and I don't think necessarily just the smell is is reason enough for them to rip your car apart. Currently, if you do that, right. they're going to search your car. Even if you give them your 215, they're going to search your car. So mm-hmm. um, I think this is a big deal. Um, and what so right. is is this did, or were they just listening to testimony on this still or did, or did they actually make a ruling mm-hmm. that this is what well, was the ruling? A little, a little bit of background about it. The old ruling is uh, Johnson versus United States. Uh, it involved That's the for the opium a, pen, right? Yeah, that involved a, the search of a Seattle hotel room. The smell of drugs uh, could provide probable cause for a warrant, said Justice Robert H. Jackson during that uh, case. Um, he wrote for the majority, um, and he said, but it did not entitle police to enter without one. So when the, the smell test didn't say, oh, yeah, we smell it so we can go right in, that just says, yeah, we definitely smell it, so that will give us probable cause for a warrant. So they'll have to go through that process of getting the warrant and all that stuff. So it's kind of a, not a huge difference, but, uh, but is there, there's not, 
what's the ruling? Is there a ruling on this on this one? Is there actually um, been a ruling, or is are there, well, is it still in, in the new case, uh, Kentucky versus King? Uh, police in Kentucky were looking for a suspect who had sold cocaine to an informant. And while they were looking for this person, um, they smelled burning marijuana coming from another apartment where Hollis King and his friends were smoking some herb. They knocked loudly and announced themselves as police officers. When they heard sounds coming from inside that made them think evidence was being destroyed, they kicked in the door and found some marijuana, um, cocaine, uh, Mr. King and two friends of his and some cash, but not the original suspect who was in another apartment. And then King was sentenced to 11 years in prison, but the Kentucky Supreme Court overturned his conviction and threw out the evidence, ruling that any risk of drugs being destroyed was the result of the decision by the police to knock and announce themselves rather than to obtain a warrant. Because, you know, if I had a bunch of weed and the police go, police, open the door. The first thing I'm going to do is go to the bathroom. Yep. Personally. Um, and I'm not, not even remotely ashamed to say so. No, I would encourage our (laughs) listeners, if you have a lot of weed and there's a huge chance, and especially if it smells like it right then and it elicits the cops, you know, to come over to your house and say, let us in, we smell weed. It's probably a decent idea. Now we can't, we're not authorized. We don't intend to give you any legal advice here. So we're not doing that. But from a personal perspective, I'm saying, and I think you'll probably agree with me. If that's the case, it would be a great (laughs) idea to get rid of the weed right away. Yeah. 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 That uh, I guess it would be dangerous with any quantity to throw it out of a window if you're up, uh, you know, past the first floor. Although, you know, a few ounces of weed falling on my head (laughs) while I'm walking down the sidewalk would be pretty much pennies from heaven. (laughs) As far as I'm concerned, I'd be stoked. I'd probably treat myself to a nice big ice cream cone and celebrate the whole fact that I just got smacked in the head with, you know, five, uh, five, 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 whatever ounces of chronic you know, but yeah, you ima- definitely get can rid you imagine of how you'd I, feel though, if that really happened to you, if you're like down on the ground and you could see there's like a raid going on and, and you've got your chance, you're like, Oh shit. And you're like, said, should, that, I, should that, I grab that, him and that. run? <laughs> yes. You're like, what do I do? Uh, you're like, Oh, I got to make a decision real quick. Where are they? And you're looking around for the cops to see how many they are and where they are and what they're doing. <laughs> and you're like, Oh my God. <laughs> That'd be great. And then you grab it and you're running hysterically through it. Like just, it's total chaos and you're freaking out and your mind's going 9,000 miles an hour and you look ridiculous because you're running like crazy with this weed in your hand. Uh, and it's, it's amazing to look at that scenario and then zoom out way out, take a big picture of it. And isn't that ridiculous? A natural <laughs> herb and all of these things that are, I mean, really, honestly, come on. So, Woo. so this is okay. So this now is going to go, this is apparently you just said, you said Sotomayor comment on it. So this has already been heard at the federal level, but there hasn't been a, a ruling by the federal Supreme Court yet, right? Only by the state Supreme Court in Kentucky. Yeah. The Kentucky court ruled that officers had entered the apartment illegally and that the evidence yeah. they found should not have been considered in court. Um, that's according to Robert Barnes from the Washington Post. The key issue is whether an exigent or emergency circumstance allows police to enter a residence without a warrant. Um, sadly, but no longer shockingly, uh, Steve Elliott writes, uh, Obama administration lawyers joined the case on the side of Kentucky's prosecutors. Oh, come on. Huh. Just because uh-huh. people are smoking marijuana does not mean you can kick their fucking door in. The police who broke into the apartment, I quote, 
reasonably believed that there was destruction of evidence occurring inside, end quote. That's according to uh, Ann O'Connell. She's an, an assistant to Obama's solicitor general. And uh, prosecutors for Kentucky and the federal government told the justices Wednesday that Kentucky court had erred. They claimed there had been no violation of the Fourth Amendment, which bars unreasonable searches because they claimed police had, quote, acted lawfully. But Justice Elena Kagan had doubts about that approach. The brand new one, um, stepping up. If the court looks only at the lawfulness of police behavior, she said, uh, Justice Kagan said, that is, quote, it is going to enable the police to penetrate the home, to search the home without a warrant, without going to see a magistrate in a very wide variety of cases. Mm -hmm. And she's not being uh, opinionated. She's very professional in that aspect. That's how she made it to the Supreme Court. You know, she's well known for uh, being – that is cut and straight to the point. That is completely dispassionate, and that's and – she's right. And imagine how that could be abused. Um, but all the police would need to say um, – as Kagan said, is that they smelled marijuana and heard a noise, you know, or we think there's some criminal activity going on for whatever reason we heard noise, and, you know, and we heard noise. So we had to go in. So, I mean, that's all they have to do is just decide, um, you know, they could be at a door and go, hey, let's go and check. We can't just go in there, man, his partner says. And the other guy goes, yeah, dude, I smell weed. Don't you? <laughs> you know, with that look on his face, kind of like, don't you? Uh -huh. He's like, uh, yeah, yeah, I do too. I smell weed. Yeah, we should go in. And it's not, I don't think it's a potential that that'll be abused. I mean, I think it's pretty much cut and dry. That would be a, a fiasco if that was allowed to happen. So it's really interesting uh, how this is going, how this is, is going through the system. Uh, Kagan goes on, she said, uh, how do you prevent your test from essentially eviscerating the warrant requirement in the context of one place that the Fourth Amendment was most concerned about? Um, she was asking the Kentucky Assistant Attorney General Joshua Farley about this. He, he claimed that the police had done nothing that violated the Fourth Amendment. And then uh, Justice Sotomayor chimed in, and she was even more direct. She asked, uh, quote, aren't we just doing away with Johnson? That's, you know, the first case. And uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg asked why the police could not simply roam the hallways of apartment buildings, sniffing for pot, knocking whenever they smelled marijuana, then breaking in if they hear something suspicious. That's a quote, unquote, you know, hear something suspicious. Right. Um, that would be perfectly fine, Kentucky Assistant Attorney General Farley replied. What? <laughs> oh, <laughs> come on. Justice Antonin Scalia revealed some unflattering oh, yeah. things about his I worldview. Bet. Imagine that, which, God help us, seems to be that of a judgmental 10-year-old. Uh, this from uh, Steve <laughs> Elliott. I love the way uh, Elliott writes his stuff. He says, uh, as he said, he was not troubled by the standard the government lawyers proposed. He said that police can't go wrong by knocking loudly on the door. Um, there are a lot of constraints on law enforcement, Justice Scalia said. And the, the one thing that, is, that it has going for it is that criminals are stupid. <laughs> Scalia said that criminals often cooperate with police when not legally required to do so. They might open the door and let officers inside, and if not, the police can break in, he said. Everything done was perfectly lawful, Scalia said. It's unfair to the criminal? Is that the problem? I really don't understand the problem. Um, so what he's saying in his kind of, uh, I don't know, this is my perception, but I'm thinking in his, in his, in his usual asshole kind of way, he's uh, saying something that's actually kind of right to a point. 
Um, he's saying that often criminals, that's in quotes, by the way, in the story, quote unquote criminals, isn't that something? Often cooperate with police when not legally required to do so. So there you have it. Justin's, Justice uh, Antonin Scalia uh, informing everybody, all the cannabis agenda audience, that uh, of the importance of exercising your Fourth Amendment rights and understanding your rights under the law and not uh, helping yourself get into trouble and get arrested. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know. I'm gleaming that as the only positive part of the story so far. But, well, besides those two, uh, you know, Sotomayor and uh, Kagan standing up and arguing this uh, dispassionately, which is what we need, because we can win these uh, cannabis-related arguments if they're argued dispassionately based on truth. This story sucks. It sucks. It sucks. It sucks. So they're working on it. So you know what? Um, if somebody knocks on your door and says, let us in, it's police, we smell weed, and we're going to bust your ass um, while your friend is uh, really rapidly throwing your favorite stash down the toilet, which I know will bring tears to your eyes, um, you might tell the cops through the door, guys got a warrant. Can you yeah. put it up near the, the hole so I can, like the peak hole so I can see it, please? Yeah. You know, you, yeah, if you don't have a warrant. You can't come in. If they, I mean, right. I, dude, come on. Really? Seriously? You can kick down someone's door now just because you smell pot whenever you want. Oh, my God. Right. That is effed. That really yeah. sucks. Yeah. Um, this is a nonviolent crime we're talking about here. Uh, yes, it's a crime. Some places it's not even a crime in some places to smoke pot in your own home. Uh, um, right. But. But 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 they can still kick down your door and and bring potentially ignite violence in your home. Uh uh-uh. uh no, right. this sucks. So I, I, I hate gonna, that. Uh, story. I hate that story. We're gonna broach this that. topic at uh at university um, where I'm at. There's a <laughs> it's an Illinois university. These cops are are uh, dual kind of licensed. I guess I don't know if licensed is the right word, but they're they're dual. They're they're campus police, but they're not just campus police. They're also considered state police as well. Mm-hmm. So they're serious business, and there's a lot of people that are getting in trouble for using cannabis or their relationship with cannabis and other silly things. And a lot of times they don't they don't get it. And this morning when I went into a, my first class uh, for the semester, I uh, I talked to uh, several police officers that were sitting at a table having some breakfast. And I said, "Hey guys, how can we start a conversation?" <laughs> they didn't know me from Adam. I just walk up to him and go, Hey guys. And they kind of smile like, hi there. How are you doing? I said, good morning. I said, how do we start up a conversation? Cause I'm a student representative and I see the importance just as a student myself, um, that we need to start some kind of conversation with our police officers and let them understand what's going on. And the cop said to me, he goes, you know, most of them don't understand what they're doing and they're writing their own tickets. They're writing their own, you know, punishments or, you know, at least like, you know, warrants or, well, I mean, not warrants, uh, charges. They're writing their own, their own, you know, problem for their self. And they, they just need, I couldn't believe he was actually arguing this, but he said, if, if they just knew what the heck they, they were doing and what they should or shouldn't do in those cases, they would be a hell of a lot better off. And I thought, wow, that's kind of refreshing for, for law enforcement to say, Hey, we need to educate people on what to do in a police encounter. <laughs> so hopefully that's a positive trend that's spreading more people will realize that that's safer for cops. So cops should love that. Um, makes their life a lot easier. And it's, it's definitely whew, exponentially way, way safer for people. So we'll see. Uh, I don't know. 
What else we got? Know your rights. Know your rights. Know your rights. Uh, yeah. No, I'm, no, I'm, no. What is that uh, website? Uh, FlexYourRights.org. I would definitely uh, wholeheartedly refer you to that site. It's a very, very uh, informative site. Um, it's its sole purpose is to educate you on your Fourth Amendment rights and and how to um, act, how to conduct yourself um, in a police encounter. Um, and then it covers all encounters, home encounters, uh, when they pull you over in a vehicle, um, on the street, so forth. So, yep, educate yourself, guys, and uh, try to minimize the the damage the unnecessary damage that's happening so often because of uh, some good buds. Good buds. They don't have good buds yet in D.C. Some East Coast scoop time. They don't, but they're getting them. They're on the way. And, Kinda. Uh, well, at least that's I mean, what it says. Anyway. Well, the program takes effect, but there's no dispensaries open. There's no license. None of the 10 licensed growers are ready to up and running. I mean, so... So it's like the program will start, but no one has been approved of to actually run a cannabis business in D.C., right? Right. Uh, well, under the program's rules, only five marijuana dispensaries and 10 uh-huh. cultivation centers will be allowed. And uh, starting either one of them, the, the story says that it will be uh, very um, expensive to do that. Um, right. Patients, patients themselves, they'll only be able to buy two ounces of cannabis each month. Um, you know what, doesn't that kind of eliminate the whole idea of, you know, dealers are getting their weed from the dispensary. If you have a limit of two ounces a month, then where's the problem? I mean, you know what I mean? Right. I mean, if you're a cannabis, I just don't understand that. Um, but the, the rules, uh, would be taking effect Friday, um, January 14th, uh, according to when they were submitted to the DC council, but they only become legally valid once published in the DC register, which should happen sometime this week. I don't know uh, what that aspect of it, it, it involves, but at this point, the rules, um, uh, Elliot wrote this piece too. He said, uh, imperfect as they are, cannot be changed without going through the entire uh, onerous rulemaking process again. So they don't want to do all that stuff, but the, uh, with the rules ready to take effect uh, next week, DC mayor Vince Gray, now has uh, to appoint the four-person board that will give out licenses for dispensaries and cultivation centers. And the Department of Health has to implement the rules applying to patients and doctors. And then once they just give out these licenses, then they can start growing. And then all those things, I'm sure, will sprout up right away without delay. Um, until the dispensary and cultivation center positions are filled, um, the the DCist reports that the district's medical marijuana program will remain an idea that looks great on paper alone. Um, repeated uh, requests to the mayor's office for a status update on the process have gone so far unanswered. Uh, kind of dodging that one, I think. Um, the slow pace of the D.C. medical marijuana program has really frustrated a lot of people. Uh, many of them found leases left hanging by potential tenants until they could be sure the rules could take effect and if someone to govern, you know, their implementation. Um, some advocates have pointed to Arizona as an example of bureaucratic efficiency. The medical marijuana program in that state was only approved by voters last uh, November, of course. I think that's reported. funny. They've passed it three times. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> They're, so so efficient. They're so efficient in Arizona. <laughs> They've only passed the, yeah, they really <laughs> got it figured out. <laughs> <laughs> they said cover- that it's expected. Expected we'll to be Arizona. fully functioning and supplying patients with medical cannabis by this summer. That's uh, Arizona. Yeah. We'll talk about that, I think, a little bit later in the program mm-hmm. as well. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. 
We'll see how that all that works on that. So I don't have so much hope for them. They've kind of been, they have been anything but efficient in getting legal medical cannabis to patients in Arizona. So, uh, but yeah, so here's the deal then. So the uh, program's in effect. There's no dispensaries. There's no cultivators. So to get weed in DC, it's, you still have to do it through the black market. Yeah. Because Uh, they, and there's like two steps in between here and there because there's, he asked uh, the governor, or the, it's in the mayor, I think. He has to. They have to appoint the four-person panel that will distribute, decide on, and distribute the licenses. So they have to get that panel first, and then they have to do their job and appoint the people. And then the people that get appointed have to do their job and create the weed and and the dispensaries and you know the whole setup. So yeah, it's unfortunately. Uh, you know, even if everything went smooth, because you know Washington D.C., everything always goes fast and smooth. Um, but if if every, if if everything hypothetically, some fantasy in some fantasy land happened to actually go smoothly, it still um, should be uh, some time before these patients are able to get some legal uh, cannabis. Right. Right. Moving on to the international weedscape. Blah, blah, blah. Mm, we got a lot of questions about driving and smoking. Um, that is going to be, I predict, mark my words, that will be uh, one of the front burner hot topics from the last, next year or two as uh, state laws uh, begin to uh, progress um, as things start to become more kind of people start becoming more aware of cannabis and the ridiculousness of the prohibition model we have going on right now, um, they're going to have to make some decisions and they're going to have to, you know, start handling stuff. Well, I think we have some, another mention of this type of uh, driving and cannabis related thing um, in the program today. But this one is particularly interesting. Israel, Israel says, wait six hours after smoking marijuana to drive. What? Maybe after eating it. Six uh, hours. Seriously? Patients who smoke weed for medical purposes must wait six hours after smoking it to drive a car. The Israeli health ministry is set to announce soon. Um, Until now, the issue of driving and medical marijuana had not been clarified formally in Israel, causing several police-related incidents. Um, Do they have medical pot in Israel? uh, I believe, yes, they do. Yes, they do. In in one incident in November of uh, just last year, scriptwriter scriptwriter Ran Sarig a medical marijuana patient was investigated after he's seen on a TV program driving with a joint in his mouth. Drivers of public or commercial vehicles will be completely barred from using medical marijuana under the new regulations. Uh, medical marijuana use has risen in Israel in recent months. According to health ministry figures, about 4,000 medical marijuana permits have been given. Um, according to the health ministry, about 40,000 patients in Israel will use cannabis after final regulations are worked out for its medical use. Um, Israeli medical Marijuana patients are allowed to possess up to 200 grams of cannabis. That's just over seven ounces at a time. Uh, marijuana is cultivated and supplied for medical purposes by govern- government-authorized cultivators because they're smarter than we are. Um, so that's what's going on in Israel. Important stuff. Big changes. They're gonna. They're expected about 40,000 people. That's a lot. <laughs> Six hours. Maybe if you eat it. So. But that's a long time, man. We don't even make people wait that long after ingesting alcohol to drive. And I don't that think you ever had more. an effect from cannabis that lasted over four. Eating it, I have. 
yeah. eating it for certain. I definitely have. Oh yeah. Um, the th- reason why is because sometimes when you eat it, it takes hours before it really kicks in. It, right. Sometimes. So like you, you can't, you know, let's say you ate a, a brownie and it's supposed to be one to two doses and you can't drive immediately because sometimes it kicks in pretty fast and you can't, you know, and then, I mean, seriously, sometimes eating cannabis can make it last for a long time to where I could see <laughs> six hours, but six hours after smoking it? Really? I'm not so sure. That sounds like a, sounds a little excessive wait period for me. Maybe, maybe mm-hmm. for some, some people, maybe. Well, they're, they're, they're kind of a uh, bandying this about in the comment zone down here underneath this story, which uh, by the way, will of course be posted on our site. So check it out. If you want to read more into this, I would, I would recommend it. It's pretty interesting uh, discussion, but one of these guys was saying it doesn't sound right to him said uh, that, his question was, how do you prove that you've not smoked in six hours? And then he even said, how about eating? It doesn't make any sense. So he said, my wife would not be ready to drive in six hours after a cookie. Right. <laughs> he said, what if, what if you just need one small toke for nausea? You know, it, it won't take six hours to be beyond sober with just one no. small toke to, to, you know, cancel out his nausea. And uh, then another person replied to him and said, you know, he has a really good point there. I, I agree. I think that guy had some good points. But it said, until there's a test that can reliably judge how high somebody is or, you know, the level of metabolites in their system, there, there's really, I don't know how this is, how this could even work. You said like how do you, yeah, how do you, how do you even really regulate it? Like, sir, so have you smoked, have you smoked any marijuana in the last six hours? No. Okay, good. Hands behind your back, please. You're going to jail. Wait, but no, I said, no, I, I haven't smoked any marijuana. Yeah, that's okay. We understand. <laughs> it's just procedure. We have to ask the question. God. I hope that uh, it doesn't roll that way. This sounds a little, sounds a little excessive to me. We'll see. Uh, overall, there are several people that said, yeah, they think there's something seriously wrong with that. They don't like it. But uh, I don't know. To me, somewhat surprisingly, uh, the majority of people in the comments, at least, uh, seem to think it's a, a step in the it's a sensible step in the right direction. So we'll see. We'll see. Well, I like to keep I think an eye a, on set, a step in the right direction is trying to figure out metabolites and trying to figure out how yes. long really you are impaired when you're high I agree. On- I agree. I think that is actually the key. uh, I don't know. I've smoked a lot of pot in my life. And if I just, I just took one bong hit just now because we're Mm -hmm. about to move on to topics barely worth of any of our time, which is a great time to smoke weed in the show. But, um, (laughs) but um, I just took one bong hit. It definitely not going to be, I'm definitely going to be driving before six hours. That's crazy. I'm not going to drive for like another hour or so because I got stuff to do around here. Actually, I'm not going to be driving for another two or three hours, but that's just because of the way things are. I don't. I, six hours? Come on, that's crazy. Yeah. Seems a little less. Seems like double the time that you need. Sure, yeah. and and I don't believe that. I don't believe that you should absolutely not have any metabolites in your body. I bet there's a threshold where you're, yeah. you're you know, you're well, okay absolutely. because you're okay because you've only consumed this much cannabis and it's only this much present in your system. And then there's that threshold where it's like now you're over that. Like alcohol, yeah, you know, I think so. Absolutely, I think it's imperative that we we establish that and start uh, getting that to be kind of. We need to set some precedents and get this thing, you know, spread every every place that has cannabis related laws. It needs to address this situation, and in every, it's not just uh, you know in decrim in uh, legalization as well as medical uh, cannabis legislation. There's 
always the argument posed. Well, then people are going to be driving around everywhere and they're going to kill people and wreck and destroy you and your daughter or whoever you love and are more, most enamored with in your life is going to get brutally destroyed because of this stuff. That's the whole big fear factor that goes on there. Well, I just got a uh, text message. Um, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to cover this next week. Kentucky is trying to pass a law requiring those on government aid to pass drug screening. My buddy uh, said this, uh, yeah. this should make the agenda. That should make the agenda, and uh, we will cover that. That's a very interesting story. Sorry, sidetracked. Yeah, um, I think so. No, not at all. That is a very interesting story, and I have I've been kind of watching that. So, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll definitely uh, stick that in the show next week for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, topics worth barely any of our time. Moving uh, on, huh? Yeah, so, yeah. We're we're talking today, buddy. We're talking today. <laughs> <laughs> None of these are short today. Jeez. Yeah. What do we got here? We got right. four topics. Yeah, well, yeah, actually, yeah. I guess three topics, right? Th- three clips. Yeah, three topics. Two two clips go with one topic. One clip goes with one topic, and one topic has no clip. Wow. You get all wow. that? Uh-huh. I got it. Well, let's start out in <laughs> Albuquerque. What happened down there? There was over $100,000 of high-grade marijuana. Oh, yeah, $100,000. Oh, my God. Oh, yes, over $100,000. Mm-hmm. Check it out. <laughs> Albuquerque police discover an indoor pot plantation <gasps> seizing $100,000 worth of marijuana. They also arrested two young men. Stuart Dyson is here with details of the early morning bust. Stuart. Tom, Nicole, it all started with sloppy parking. Sloppy and now parking. two men are behind bars, charged <laughs> with big-time felonies, distribution of marijuana. Here's the house on Shale Avenue Northeast near Louisiana and Alameda. Early this morning, police were checking out neighbor complaints about cars parked all over the yard, sidewalk, street. Cops knocked <laughs> on the door. When the guys inside opened it, cops smelled something wrong. Uh, <laughs> Oh. They immediately smelled a very strong odor of marijuana, and the uh, occupants gave them permission to come in and did tell them they had a marijuana grow in their residence. Cops backed out of there, waited for a search warrant, then found 172 pot plants and a quarter pound of dried, cleaned, bagged-up, high-grade marijuana. (laughs) They arrested 21-year-old Austin Thomas and 19-year-old Joseph Jennerjohn. Police say they are familiar with that house. They've checked out neighbor complaints about suspected narcotics activity there before. Back to that quarter pound uh, looks so good. I smoked the whole damn thing. Found one hundred makes me want some of that weed right away. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Oh. Here, here it is. That's and a quarter pound of dried, cleaned, bagged up, high grade marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> How do they? I can't believe this. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Wait. So oh. 100, 172 plants. So here's the thing. 172 plants does not necessarily mean a hundred thousand. Hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Right. And uh, they actually they got video of some of these plants in here. Are they little? 
Oh no, that's the next story. They got they got the video. Yeah, and uh, they're fucking they're tiny. They're tiny. They're tiny. Oh, now we're going to Houston. Houston, tiny, Texas. tiny but sophisticated. Uh, yeah, you know, I always cross my fingers when I'm when I'm watching these. You know, hoping, you know, just hoping that they're They'll gonna they're gonna drop, drop the word. The sophisticated yeah, sophisticated <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think anything over fifteen hundred dollars is automatically sophisticated. Sophisticated, yeah, yeah. totally. So here, but that a, was the best. That was the best sounding quarter pounder i mean i've seen a lot of quarter pounds Dude, of weed and that that quarter pound sounded damn good we should save that clip that's a good one i could sell a gazillion pounds of weed with that as an advertisement <laughs> <laughs> things got you down you're a little stressed you're freaking out a little bit you upset stomach you don't feel good can't sleep at night come on you don't need none of that damn cocaine put that stuff away it'll kill you and rot your mind out. no joke i'm telling he's working you in man. the wrong business he needs to move to california and become like uh uh, a freaking marketing guy for for pot for pot clinics. That he'd do really good, really good. So you anyway, seen, that was that was Albuquerque, where 152 plants are worth a hundred thousand dollars. Wow, yes. man, that's let's, where to go. Let's move down to Texas. Absolutely, what are they worth in Texas? <laughs> <laughs> a tip uncovers two major marijuana operations in the woodlands. Now take a look at what Montgomery County deputies found growing in the bedrooms of two homes only one block away from each other. Deputies removed close to 100 marijuana plants from one home, even more <laughs> from the other. Each plant was capable of producing a pound of marijuana, and deputies say every pound what? has a street value of $5,500. If we ever needed more... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so every... Pl every she said every, every plant, plant in an in a indoor in bedroom an indoor grow, grow uh -huh. can get a pound. Right. Not true. <laughs> no. 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 Okay. Good luck. Not even close to truth. So by their calculations, that, that grow, those combined grows were million worth, dollars. Were worth half a million dollars. Dude, well, you know what? The law enforcement community over... can make way more money if they stop busting people for profit and start just selling them grow tips. I mean, these guys could write serious books. They're making amazing things happen that I've never even heard of before. So they said there were two two houses busted, one with almost 100 plants and one with even more than that. So I'm just estimating 200. Mm -hmm. 200 plants that do a pound apiece at $5,500. Oh, yeah, that's a million. A you got it. It's Yeah, it's $1.1 million. Yep. Um, so they don't even – so, yeah, uh-huh. Uh -huh. uh -huh. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Way wrong. Way wrong. <laughs> Man, we need to get Chris Conrad on here about that. That's a that's that's a that's that's crazy. See, that's the mm -hmm. thing. The the reporters aren't even smart enough anymore to go. They had this many watts and they were growing with this they were doing flood and drain with a fifty you know, with a with a thousand gallon res. I mean, you know, there's things that contribute to this. They don't know anything. All they know is to talk in a voice like this and tell you there are two houses yeah. busted less than like a block away from each other. <laughs> it's like the giant like python or somebody's pet python that gets loose and it's in the front yard and they're you know all the media comes out and goes <gasps> you know that's how they act it's just this big hyped up hysteria well i think it's i think it's incredibly funny the way they talk about things <laughs> you know the crazy thing is, i wish somebody would ask them publicly can you guys uh Show us how to produce that or how that's possible to produce the amount of cannabis that you said and under the conditions that you described. <laughs> I haven't yeah, anybody hey. asking them. Yeah, you can make a video. It'd be great. Officer Stadanko, uh, yeah, brah, how, how are you pulling a pound of plant, dude? In your bedroom. How are you growing 100 
pounds of weed in an eight by twelve bedroom. That is incredible, dude. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Amazing stuff. <sighs> Amazing Super. stuff from the from the. They're popo. probably weighing the damn pots. <laughs> and saying yeah. that the roots have that uh no they're just being being uh they're just lying they're just yeah, lying just they don't know what they're talking yeah. about at least at the, the very cop, least they just let the cop they just go with whatever the cops tell them yep instead yeah. of like talking to a eventually going hey you know this happens every once in a while maybe we should should talk to someone that actually knows something about this hmm imagine <laughs> Is this a is this a Wisconsin story? Or yeah, go? we got one more so, clip. Yeah, one more. Was yeah. this a synthetic pot thing? Synthetic marijuana. Yeah, you you guys know this story, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In Rock County, Janesville is the newest community to ban the sale of synthetic marijuana. The vote wasn't expected until January 24th, but the city's common council voted last night to get the substance off store shelves. Industries Margot Span has more on how the ban will impact that community. Milton's banned it, Clinton's banned it, Milwaukee has banned it, Eau Claire has banned it, La Crosse. Janesville is the latest city to ban synthetic marijuana. It's commonly sold as incense, and although it doesn't contain any illegal substances, it has a synthetic version of the active ingredient in marijuana. Councilman Frank Parado says something had to be done to keep kids from getting their hands on it. We know it's in the Milton School District. Um, if it's in the Milton School District, my feeling is that it's already penetrated into the Janesville School District. The owner of Smoker's World, a place that sells the synthetic marijuana, says he doesn't sell to minors. He declined to go on camera, but says this small display case is responsible for about 30% of his business. I currently use it, so I think the ban this early is premature. Customer Justin Berry says the ban won't solve the problem. You can't keep anything out of the hands of kids. You- Look at, I mean, look anywhere. Look at school shootings. You're supposed to be able to keep guns in one of the most highly regulated things we have. And you can't keep them out of schools. So this is, this is just like alcohol. I mean, if, you can't, if you're not going to ban alcohol, you can't ban this. While Barry says the city should have taken more time before banning it, Councilman Parado disagrees. If in the future it is found not to be as dangerous as we think it is, I will be one of the first ones to suggest that we repeal the ordinance. But for now... My feeling is I'd rather err on the side of being cautious. Susan and Eric, I talked to Janesville Police Chief David Moore, and he tells me that you don't have to be 18 to buy it. He said that's one of the problems. It's commonly found in convenience stores and tobacco shops. He says the city has 10 days to post the ordinance. After that, it will be illegal to sell or even possess this in the city of Janesville. He tells me that the fine ranges from $100 to $500. Margo Spann, our Rock County Bureau tonight. Margo, thank you for that report. So barely worth any of our time. Totally. You know, you know what my question though is, is who are the, who are the people that are making up this head shop owners 30 to 40, what did they say? 30, 40% of his business mm-hmm. buying this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's uh, more baffling statistics. <laughs> it's probably not that easy to get pot in Wisconsin. Hmm. I don't know about that. There's a, mm-hmm. uh, there's uh, many ways. You just have to know the right outlets, I think. Sure. Anyway. Well, good, good riddance to the fake pot. The real stuff's the, the way to go. Yes. And considering uh, knowing the right outlets, if you uh, happen to be in the, in the loop 
and know about the uh, Ronzio Pizza um, from Newport, Rhode Island, then you probably could have, this is past tense, uh, past tense, uh, could have scored some pretty good quality bud. Um, it's uh, another story from uh, Steve Elliott. It's uh, one pepperoni pizza for pickup, extra pot, please. Um, this uh, owner of Ronzio Pizza, a few doors down from the police station in Newport, Rhode Island, who was arrested last Thursday, uh, charged with possession of marijuana with, you got it, intent to deliver. Um, after receiving reports from neighbors who live near the pizza parlor that marijuana was being sold there for the past several months, the Newport PD started a brave investigation spearheaded by Detective Seth Goddick and Detective Mark Matos, reports uh, Brian Rourke at the Providence Journal. Their local newspaper there. Um, the two, f- de- <laughs> I love this story. The two fearless detectives made several marijuana purchases from Ronzio Pizza over the past month. Uh, what were they going to get accosted by a pepperoni? What, <laughs> according to Sergeant Anthony Chauvin, <laughs> Steve Elliott wrote, "Was there ever a better cop name?" Um, the marijuana would be paid for and placed in a pizza box along with the pizza. The pizza tossed the pizza parlor. Uh, or the police, rather, tossed the pizza parlor on Wednesday, uh, Sergeant uh, Chauvin said, and found four ounces of marijuana in the basement. Chauvin claimed the pot had a street value of $1,000. Arrested for owner, or was owner Manuel Pereira, I think it is, Pereira. There we go. 38 of East Providence. Uh, Cops confiscated what they claimed was uh, $1,266 in cash, a security system, and a monitor, and a 2003 Mazda, (laughs) which is kind of like they were shopping or something. I don't know what those things all had to do with this. But uh, Pereira is to be arraigned in district court in Newport on Friday, and the matter is still under investigation. According to the Ronzio Pizza website, I guess it's a chain there in uh, Rhode Island. Rhode Island Monthly says they make the best pizza in Rhode Island. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> they make the best pizza and apparently sell probably pretty, pretty. You think so? I bet it was pretty average, I'd guess. Yeah. It said, uh, the, the story finished up by saying that this isn't the first pizza shop charged for delivering cannabis and it won't be the last. I guess uh, back in the mid-90s, um, the uh, Steve Elliott said he was the editor of a small town newspaper in Fulton, Mississippi. He said when he was down there, a local pizza parlor got raided for the exact same thing, uh, delivering Primo pot along with the pizza pies. Um, sadly though, a loyal customer, uh, I never knew of this extra service they offered before the bust came down. So he had been buying pizzas from this place forever. never knew that they were offering that extra incentive. <laughs> Wow. That would be the hardest part for me. I'd be like, they were what? Oh, damn it. <laughs> I wouldn't even want to hear what strains they were offering. I would be so pissed. <laughs> but you didn't know? tell me? Yeah. yeah. I'd be like, why didn't anybody tell me, dude? I get pieces from there all the time. I know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Quarter O. I like a deluxe with a quarter ounce of super silver haze, please. Thank you. 
I wonder how you and, order it from them. I wonder what the like what their protocol. There's a code was. word: cheese in the crust, please. That's it. Yeah, and I don't think I really want any more, <laughs> um, yeah, any more toppings. But but I'll take some of those anchovies on the side. Yeah, anchovies on the side. There's the cue. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I don't know how they did it, but they're not doing it anymore. So uh, um, hopefully they had some fun, and hopefully they'll continue to be Rhode Island's greatest pizza. We'll see how that goes. Oh, Canada. So I don't know the words after that. Do you know the words after Oh, Canada? Oh, no. That's all I know. Sure. No, that's oh, what you do. Oh, Canada, like, you're almost America. Is that what it says? 240 million people in America that know the word, the two first two words to their national song. <laughs> yeah. But the first words think- are right. I think that's pretty accurate. I mean, they don't sing about like blowing shit up like we do. So no, they don't. They don't. It's not it's not quite <laughs> as catchy. Um, so what's our tip for the day? Uh, you can't be a cop in Quebec and smoke dope on the weekends. Ah, was there a French Quebecy uh, smoking so some Quebec, buds? So the Quebec police force, which is about eight hundred, the Quebec City police force, which is about eight hundred and twenty officers uh, strong. Uh, the they have implemented a program for their new recruits. What they do is they hook them up to polygraphs to find out about their current and past drug histories, and they also drug test them while they are in uh, whatever you know police academy or whatever it is that you're in. <laughs> yeah. um, in Quebec, um, kids grades seven through nine in 2002, 32% of them reported that they had smoked marijuana at least once. So using marijuana as a kid does not necessarily rule you out of being in the Quebec police force. This is, and this is kind of common practice (laughs) police forces around the country, but it will get you like put in front of a panel to where they'll decide on a case by case basis. And then they'll dig. If you've ever used it before, they'll dig further into, well, are you telling the truth about how often you've used it? And, you know, like, are, are you, you know, are you telling the truth about your most recent time and, you know, and all that kind of stuff and trying to get into their drug because police chief Serge Belizzle, Belizzle, you can't be in the police and smoke pot on the weekend. No way. <laughs> he says, he says, uh. Um, what did he say here? He says, uh, oh, this one's great. This is another one. Um, uh, something about driving fast. Well, for one thing for, oh, here he says, no citizen should think that an officer who is driving 140 kilometers per hour with flashers and sirens smokes dope on the weekends. Man, they probably order in English off the menu when they go to a restaurant. They can get shit faced belligerent drunk to the point where they almost kill themselves on Friday and Saturday nights, but no smoking dope. It's a bad Don't thing. Smoke pot. Yeah. In 2000 and 2007, um, mm-hmm. there was a world drug study. What was this thing called? It's called the world uh, drug report. It was done by the, uh, UN, uh, UN commission on narcotic drugs and, uh, Quebec placed number one for marijuana use in the industrialized world. Does um, that mean they use the most? You mean like, Yes. The highest? Uh, mm-hmm. And their grade through seven through nine. 
was uh, 18% is British Columbia and mm-hmm. all British Columbia, which was the next BC is the next highest. And we all know BC, there's right. a lot of bud smoking go on, but seven grade seven through nine, only, only 18% of them in BC reported smoking pot in comparison to 32%, almost double that in Quebec. So oh. they smoke a lot of pot in Quebec. Here's awesome. the reason why I'm covering this. Don't you think maybe you should have some cops that smoke a little bit of weed every once in a while? Maybe. Absolutely. Is that a rhetorical I mean, question? <laughs> I mean, uh, well, we know that you definitely should because they'd probably be, uh, you know, it'd probably be one of those things that curb some excessive police violence. But uh, yeah. also just like to connect with like regular people. I mean, look, you got a lot mm-hmm. of pot smokers up there in Quebec. I don't think that you're really winning over the hearts and minds of your citizens by going on this tirade about like, you know, no dope smoking on the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't make sense, man. Um, they put a lot. Of, they're, they're putting. They're putting a lot of money into this, and this is common with uh, police forces around uh, the United States. I know too. They'll hook their applicants up to polygraphs to find out about their drug histories as well. So honestly. Honestly, like, let's try this again. Did you really smoke a blunt? Smoke a blunt. Smoke a blunt. They're they're checking nonverbals too. You know, they say oh, a few times. Well, they hook you up to see a if their face changes while you hook. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, they really want to know what the you know, and I don't think it. it they they try to. It doesn't rule it out. You, if you did end up having limited use, but like, let's say you were a stoner for a few years, it probably rules you out. You know, even if you're not smoking anymore, and it's just crazy because they're making it seem like it has this, you know, they're like buying into the logic that it has this like long term lasting effect. The military, mm-hmm. you know, to some extent too, like tries to pretend like they care about this so much. Come on. Right. Check out the science. You're you're losing a lot of good people just because they used to smoke pot kind of excessively or moderately even, or maybe they occasionally smoke at a barbecue once a year or a couple times a year nowadays, you know, I mean, I personally don't even obviously think that the cops should be able to use pot on their time off, but, uh, mm-hmm. that's just me. That's not a, you do, not, you do think they should be able to, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I, me too. I, I absolutely think they should be able to, I don't even I think, think it that, would be uh, desirable over like tequila. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't think that military or police or fire uh, or fire even. Well, fire is kind of like on call, um, mm-hmm. but uh, that's when they're in the station or whatever. I, I think that I don't think it should. Be, any of those jobs should be tested for marijuana. I just, it's just, uh, just my point of view. But we're gonna move on to stoned in the south. I got a little bit of Kentucky news. I just mentioned in the story that we'll cover uh, next episode um, re- regarding. People on state aid potentially being tested in the state of Kentucky uh, for uh, for drugs. That'll be that's a really interesting um, um, story. Uh, what's going on in Kentucky right now? Frankfurt State Capitol, a state committee has been appointed to uh, find cheaper alternatives to prison. Um, and what they're doing is proposing reforms to the drug laws there. Uh, they basically have said that. Uh, Sentencing most people convicted of drug crimes should be sentenced to probation and treatment, not to prison. Um, uh, small amounts of marijuana possession in Kentucky can land you in jail for up to a year. They are prob- they're, they're, they're talking about changing that to 45 days. 
Uh, it used to be um, a school zone in Kentucky is a thousand yards. Now they're going to move it to a thousand feet Dang. for drug crimes. Um, That's over half a mile. Yep, they're gonna they're gonna change the uh, what they want to do is they want to um, uh, change the laws into tr- where they're specifically going after traffickers, putting traffickers in jail for longer, um, and they're gonna try to create another label which is commercial drug traffickers. So I guess those are like big ballers or whatever, you know. And um, they're gonna be trying to put them in jail longer and putting users in jail or into less for less amount of time or into treatment instead. Um, so that's what's going on in Kentucky In Kentucky. There are currently 21,000 inmates and a fourth of them are being held on drug offenses. So Jeez. that, that is what's going on in Kentucky. A it's not, that's not what I'd call decriminalization, but it is oh, at no. least a discussion. Um, <laughs> related to some of the things that we've been preaching for years and years and years. So uh, at least they're, you know, anytime they change, anytime a state changes their laws to where it uh, is uh, less harsh on users, that's great. You know, and then I'm, I'm conflicted on the harshness of, of the rules with, you know, dealers and stuff, especially with marijuana, mm-hmm. uh, crack, meth, whatever, whole different, whole different story. But uh, with pot, um, you know, I'm not so into putting people in jail for long, long. I'm not into it at all. I don't think right, it's a crime at all. So. Yeah, and then like he said, like we said earlier, uh, it's really good for the cops too. I mean, it serves everybody involved. It's safer for the cops. It's uh, easier in their job. And I mean, does anybody even remotely fathom any possibility that the cops aren't going to have enough to do? <laughs> I mean, there's plenty of stuff we could take away a lot of the areas that they focus in right now and they'd still have way more stuff to do than they can ever really get to. So that's not an issue. No, I mean, it's, it's not, not an issue. It's not like we need to keep these, these laws in here. So they'll, you know, for, for their job. Well, <laughs> I mean, apparently Kentucky's going to be very busy just walking up and down apartment buildings, smelling pot, kicking doors Sniffing. down. Yeah, and they're going to be very sense. busy uh, drug testing anyone that's receiving any sort of government aid. So, you know, they should they should, should stop paying as much attention to people that are smoking. Well, they're not. It's, it sounds like a conflicting. It is a conflicting state. I've been there. Right. I've been yep. there. Wow. A lot yeah. of Kentucky news today. That's interesting. Yeah, man. Some good stuff. Some interesting stuff, at least. And some not so good stuff. Some What's going on with pot in the Pacific Northwest? Ooh, got some uh, potential positive changes going on. As uh, as we heard earlier in the show, uh, our, our friend uh, and avid listener Staley from Washington State sent us down some uh, information about some new pending legislation here. It looks like uh, medical marijuana patients in Washington State could have protection from arrest if the uh, legislature uh, passes a bill reforming their 1998 uh, voter approved law authorizing the use of cannabis for some debilitating uh, or terminal illnesses as well. Um, You would think naturally that uh, they would already have arrest protection because there's medical cannabis law. That's what it's for. And uh, I would agree. Absolutely. They, they, they certainly should. Um, but although the law has been in place for more than 12 years, many patients complain they're still being harassed by police. Um, this said uh, Senator Jerome Delvin. Um, he's a Republican from Richland, uh, a co-sponsor of the Senate uh, of the Senate version of the bill. Um, reports 
Michelle Dupler at the Tri-City Herald, um, Devlin pushed for the bill to include a, a voluntary patient registry that would provide medical marijuana patients a card they can show to police rather than submitting to searches of their homes or property. Um, Devlin said, it allows us to know what's going on out there. Uh, he's a former Richland police officer who retired in 06. And he, said, he went on to say, it gives law enforcement an easier tool. They can have confidence in the registry. If someone has a card, case closed. If only it would work that easy. Um, one of the problems with the original mar- medical marijuana initiative approved by voters in uh, 98 is that it lacked clear-cut definitions to help cities, counties, and law enforcement agencies implement and enforce their law's intent. Uh, according to Philip Doughty, he's a spokesman for the recently formed marijuana, or Washington Cannabis Association. Um, different parts of Washington have interpreted the state law in different ways. So there's a lot of more. You'll, you'll notice in almost all these stories, there's different elements that, you know, what a different combination of the same elements that are in there. Um, for instance, some, uh, some allow patients to grow plants collectively. Others don't. Um, they just kind of, you know, decide on their own, which makes sense. I think that's fair. But uh, some, like King County, uh, that's the home of Seattle, um, allow patients to buy their medical marijuana through dispensaries, while others have uh, shut dispensaries down. And it's, that's uh, also probably sounds familiar from a lot of other states that, that are having these kind of things go on. Um, this gives rise to an inconsistent patchwork of enforcement within which, uh, for example, you can be jailed in Kitsap County for doing the same thing that wouldn't get you a second glance if you crossed Puget Sound into King County. So it's really all, all a matter of uh, who is reading the law and what they read into it, um, reported the Herald. Uh, but the new bill, introduced by uh, main sponsor Senator Jean uh, Cole Wells, uh, she's a Democrat from Seattle, uh, this week, could solve some of the worst problems identified by medical marijuana advocates. There's much ambiguity around our state's current medical marijuana law that's resulting uh, from inconsistent enforcement throughout the state, uh, Cole Wells said, creating a statutory and regulatory structure for licensing growers and dispensaries uh, that'll allow them, she said, to provide for an adequate, safe, consistent, and secure source of medicine, um, address public safety concerns, and establish statewide uniformity in the implementation of the law. Sounds great. It sounds very political. <laughs> she's good at what she does. Um, hopefully that will come to fruition. Hopefully that will be some positive changes. And this time when they say positive things are happening, it will take effect and actually be positive. We're hoping so. I'm not trying to be cynical here, I mean, but we, uh, you know, keep an eye out for, we hear a lot of stuff like that all the time. Like, like Obama sending Holder out to say, we're not going to arrest cannabis patients anymore. You know, as the, mm. as the, black clad commando team is smashing some door down somewhere in who knows what state. Well, probably several states simultaneously, but, uh, wow, that, 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 yeah, it happens, right? (laughs) Even Mm -hmm. our next story is black clad crushing down too. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 how I feel is discussing making things better for patients, discussing making things better for pot users is always a step in the right direction. But until it's implemented and actually works, um, it doesn't really matter. And all in all, right? Yeah. You know, I'm always like, well, this is what they're talking about, but you know, I don't know. I, I, I'm the same way. I'm kind of, uh, cynical about it. It's kind of like, show me the goods. Show me what you got. This bill, uh, is SB 5073. If you're interested in the Senate, and uh, HB 1100 in the House. Um, the House introduced uh, was version was introduced by Jim Moeller, Democrat from Vancouver. 
Um, it would create licensing systems for growing and dispensing uh, medical pot um, with growers licensed through the State Department of Agriculture, while the Department of Health would oversee dispensary licensing. So we'll see how it goes. A lot of it's a potentially significant changes going on over there in, uh, in Washington State. Walla Walla, Washington. For the better, I hope they're, they're they're certainly trumping it up as to you know to be for the better. So it doesn't seem I I don't see anything obvious. It seems like a big trick or a snag or anything like that. So hopefully uh, I don't know. We'll definitely keep an eye on this and uh, show me the goods. Kind of changes. Yeah. <laughs> for show me the goods. Oh, they want to see the goods in Michigan. They always want to see the goods. They're raiding people like they, crazy out in Michigan. This is not legal. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. No, it's not. <laughs> yep, it's happening. It's happening all over there. Um, there's uh, potential threats all over in, in uh, Michigan, but the real, real big kind of, uh, I guess, most active hotspot in the state right now seems to be Oakland County. There's a lot of stuff going on over there. Um, Oakland County deputies have uh, recently raided a medical marijuana complex. Um, this is uh, not at all surprising to me. It makes me almost want to puke when I realize that this really honestly isn't surprising to me at all. But they made no arrest. And they seized cash. So they went into these people's uh, dispensary and basically they robbed them. From my, it's my impression that they went in there. If they, didn't do, if they didn't arrest anybody, then what in the world gave these officers the right to go in there and seize their cash? That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, it, it happened. Big Daddy. When did I say? Big Daddy. Big Daddy must have been put it out there right <laughs> yeah. yeah big daddy that's the the name of the place that uh that where this happened at over there was it uh was it called the big daddy's oh, grow warehouse person. or garden warehouse or something like that yeah like, it's uh, had- a, a spokesman for rick big daddy ferris he's uh the 46-year-old Berkeley resident um, who runs this complex, it houses the Michigan Medical Marijuana Magazine office as well, nonprofit Big Daddy's Compassion Club, and Big Daddy's Hydro. Um, he told the Detroit Free Press that authorities did not make any arrests during the raid because none of us were breaking the law. <laughs> it's this amazing, amazing like feat of logical deduction that the cops made. <laughs> They did, however, and this is a real kick in the balls. I mean, it's not even my money, and it, and it really disrupts me. Um, they did, however, seize cash. Uh, January 13th, Freep.com reported this one. In Wednesday's raid, officers wore bulletproof vests and one wore a mask, said attorney Jim Razor, who represents Big Daddy's Enterprises. But they took nothing except about 20 grand in cash gathered from receipts, uh, the offices and wallets of about 10 employees and patients, he said. The off the wallets, <laughs> they straight up did a heist, man. <laughs> and one of the cops was wearing a mask, and they're all like, "All the money, all the money, put it in the bag now." This is a police. This is official action. I know it sounds and seems exactly like a straight up strong arm robbery, but it's not, because we're the police. Give us your money. The sheriff gets eighty percent of the money seized under state drug forfeiture laws um, that uh, give the rest to the Oakland County Prosecutor's Office. So these guys all get to keep all that dough if they get it, if they con- if they confiscate it legally. Um, but it said, uh, "Let me see here." The sheriff gets eighty percent of the money seized under state drug forfeiture laws that give the rest to the Oakland. Uh, 
County Prosecutor's Office, um, said Razor, who's also an elected Royal Oak City Commissioner. He said, I know as a public official that the public sector is running out of money, but it's just plain wrong to finance your operation on the backs of people who are ill or providing a safe alternative to obtaining medical marijuana on the street, Razor said. This is Oakland County Prosecutor's Office. Uh, he's a Royal Oak City Commissioner. Uh, oh, he's not from there. He's from the the... Uh, he's an elected Royal Oak City Commissioner, and it's important that I, na- I put this out there. His name, again, is Jim Razor. It's R-A-S-O-R. This is one of the rare c- occasions in these stories where we see a public official, someone with any level of uh, public authority, that's outwardly speaking – I can't believe I'm actually going to say this and mean it with, – with sense. They're making sense. You know, it's plain wrong – to finance your operation on the backs of people who are ill or providing a safe alternative to obtaining medical marijuana on the street. You know what? Can I make a message to all the law enforcement community in our country and, and even outside of our country in case anybody, you know, one of those bobbies or whatever you call those guys with the big hats. If somebody's listening to this and you're a cop and you know it, um, listen, it is just plain wrong to finance your operation on the backs of people who are ill or providing safe alternative to obtaining medical marijuana on the street. Thank you. It's our public service message to the criminal justice community. Um, deputies presented a search warrant and uh, Oakland County Sheriff Mike Bouchard has yet to address the raid. But uh, there is an update here. That said that uh, Oakland County Undersheriff says raid spurred by tips, medical marijuana clinic supply dealers. He said, uh, let me see here. So that's, that's, that, that's all there was to that update. You know, it's, <laughs> why do we really need an update like that? I, uh, what is the point of using that? I don't know. But anyway, yeah, they said that it was uh, provided by tips. So somebody actually caused this to happen. I guess maybe that helps defend their position. Like they weren't just wantingly out there searching for some uh, susceptible bunch of people to take advantage of. They, they actually were tipped off. So the story says he's it. a drug dealer. So then they Big knew where daddy. to go and take advantage of people because somebody told them. So there's that story. Another disgusting one. Can you believe it? What's the difference? Honestly, what is the difference between a straight up like strong arm robbery and what these officers did? <laughs> Besides the fact that they're police and this is illegal stuff. But regardless, I, I mean, there was no law. They didn't write any. They didn't. They didn't arrest anybody. <laughs> this took. Well, they will. They'll push charges eventually, maybe. Um, and if they yeah. don't, they'll have to give the stuff back. Um, sometimes often there's no difference at all between robbery and, uh, um, uh, cop, you know, I, I, I say it often. The cops robbed him. They do sometimes it seems, un, you know, unfair. It's like a case by case basis. They get to make their mind up on the spot. Should we arrest this person? Not even in medical States. And they often do and make them, you know, through the affirmative defense thing. That's why the freaking attorney, the freaking affirmative defense things, for the birds sometimes, man, because, I mean, it just creates such a headache. You spend a couple days in jail, you get out, you pay your bail, you pay your attorney, you start the process, you have to plea and do this and do that, and blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, and go and through meantime, all the stress. How many people did you come into uh, contact with during this process that get paid? Right. Tons. Lots. Mm-hmm. Lots of people. And that's Lots one person. Yep, and that's for one person. So, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I often feel like... You know, you can pretty much call it a robbery. I feel like it is a robbery. Thieves. <sighs> Serious bogusness at play there. 
You've got to yep. be kidding me, dude. What do we got going on here? This yeah, is I like, haven't even looked at this one. It's another story that we probably don't need to cover because it's just about a stupid bust, you know? Nice. Mm. Time for a bong rip. <laughs> All right. Yeah, what happened with this one? <laughs> here you go. Here's your break. New tonight, a Providence man is busted for possessing more than a kilo of marijuana. Providence police first saw Marcus Loria when he nearly hit a cruiser Friday morning, according to our news partners at the Providence Journal. They pulled him over and ended up searching his car after they say they smelled marijuana. They say they found several large bags of pot in the car and on him, on his person, with more than $5,000 in cash. He now faces drug charges as well as traffic violations. So that's what oh, passes for uh, a kilo. News. Yeah, a kilo. Yeah. Oh my God! So they only use the word kilo in reference to pot. This was America, right? <laughs> um, they only use that to like, like link it to like cocaine, cocaine. and bad. Yeah, yeah. A kilo, nearly a kilo of marijuana, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, exciting stuff. That was barely Check worth out. any of our time. Yeah, yep. got to be kidding me. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, oh, and you have got to be kidding me, of course. Stuff. I wish I knew what number he was. Is he number one hundred and fourteen of the of the year of the month? No, that's impossible. Lot. Every thirty seconds. Gosh, we're in the tens of thousands now, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Every thirty seconds, someone's arrested. Yeah, we're we're going to be putting yeah, the counter up on the website, right? And so that you get the yearly total. It's up there already. Yeah. Way up there. The impact. Um, it is. Well, I mean, we looked at it last week and it was already. We linked to it. Yeah, it was like 20 some thousand dollars or something. Or I mean, 20 some thousand people, rather. Yeah, it? already. We were like already. only 11 days into the month or something. Yeah. yeah uh, so. Cannabis arrest today, right now, 46,108. Not even year. 20 days into the new year. That's 20. That's, wow, that's 2,000 people a day. How um, many? How many? Oh, you remember we were just walking through your uh, example of going through that process, and I said, how many people get paid that you come into contact with that process you and handle your whatever level you're at times what? 40,000 plus. That's just so far. Oh, how much yeah. money did that cost in productivity and manpower and you know all that oh, opportunity costs? We could have been doing other stuff <laughs> that matters. Just for Ooh. cannabis, the bulk majority of those people are just users of cannabis too. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, yeah, that's a great I mean, point to point out. Yeah, yeah. The vast majority of them are just simple possession. Yeah. I mean, they get pulled over and their car searched and they get caught with pot. I mean, that's probably the majority, right? Traffic violations too, like being caught with pot in the car. When do you think that's the yeah, most? Being stupid a lot of them. Consenting, yeah, to, sure. consenting to searches. Yeah. You ever see that video? That seems like an underlying theme that just kind of popped out in this in this episode. You know, a lot of people not knowing what the hell to do when you know amidst a police encounter. We should uh, figure that out. Have you ever seen that video on MTV or on YouTube? It's pretty popular where the guy gets pulled over and he goes, "You've been using cannabis?" He goes, "Yeah, a little while ago." <laughs> right? No, don't. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what did he just say? <laughs> Right, bad, yeah. bad answer, bad, bad answer. answer, bad answer, yeah. not the right one. 
Let's move on to uh, your Rocky Mountain High. We got some Colorado. Colorado. Yeah. Colorado medical marijuana advocates are calling for full legalization. The re-legalized 2012 campaign. It's uh, legalized2012.com. So you can go read about it a little bit more. Um, last evening, uh, last Wednesday evening, I'm sorry, um, they called for full legalization of marijuana in Colorado, I suppose, in a press release, um, saying that until cannabis is fully legal, it will always be stigmatized and patients will be subject to harassment, no doubt. Um, this was a, a quote, no patient is really safe until it is legalized for everyone, end quote. Attorney Robert J. Corey told the patients and advocates at a meeting in, in uh, Denver um, reports uh, Scott Kurzgaard at the Colorado Independent. Corey and other attorneys said law enforcement officials, lawmakers, and other officials will never really act as if anyone has a right to use cannabis until it is made legal for all. They're treating patients like criminals instead of the sick people we are, said uh, Laura Creho of the Cannabis Therapy Institute. Advocates said that uh, patient access is in jeopardy in Colorado because of rules that allow cities and counties to ban dispensaries and because of patient fears that their medical marijuana records are not really confidential, um, which we reported on last last episode, uh, if you recall. One attorney in particular uh, brought the house down with her personal story of using medical marijuana. Longmont lawyer Christy Martinez uh, described herself as a serious and successful attorney until one day a few years ago when her health took precedence over her law practice. Everything got derailed in June of 05 when I was diagnosed with life-threatening condition of breast cancer, Martinez said. I went for the regular checkup. I was going to try and have my second child, and I was diagnosed and had a double mastectomy within 72 hours. Wow, that's very startling. Um, she, she goes on to say, I found myself facing uh, 18 in 18 months what would result in four surgeries. <clears throat> Martinez said, I can't tell you how traumatizing it was for me. Doctors said I had the most aggressive, chaotic, and unpredictable form of cancer. Um, after she became uh, unable to stand anymore um, of her aggressive chemotherapy regimen, her doctor, one of the most respected medical doctors uh, of one of the largest cancer centers in Colorado, told her she needed to use medical cannabis. Um, he said, he said, I will not make it through another round of chemo with it. Uh, Martinez said, I had months of therapy to do. I used THC. I got a prescription and never vomited again. Um, it is the difference between a mother and her infant living and dying. Martinez said, I believe it was the access to THC that allowed me to eat and allowed me not to vomit. Um, after surviving that type of treatment, I never used medical marijuana again. She said, it's, it's just not my deal. I used it for medical purposes, and it saved my life. And I will fight for the constitutional right for another patient to use it until I can't breathe. Amen. Uh, patients need access, Martinez said. For me, it was the difference between living and dying. I really do believe that patients need access to this treatment. Medical marijuana is the safest therapeutic substance known to man, said A attorney Andrew Reed. There is no lethal dosage known. And uh, all stuff that we pretty much talk about on the program here. But that's uh, it's an amazing thing to me uh, when authorities like this step out and, I don't know, speak sensibly about these issues. I can't believe it. It's almost uh, twice in one know. day. It's too much. You know, I <laughs> think you can, just, you can retire now. You don't even need to finish <laughs> university. You can right. quit university. And uh, you know, your work is done. Uh -huh. I'm done with university. There we go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, where was that? Colorado? 
Yeah. Yep. That was Colorado. Now we're, you know, uh, we're, Mon- we're talking about Montana. We're talking about uh, that. We, the fact that we had some uh, different stories that uh, approached or broached the topic of driving uh, after yep. smoking pot. The Montana House Judici- Judiciary Committee will meet uh, Wednesday. Um, that's uh, today they should have met um, to discuss DUI legislation. Uh, House Bill 33 sponsored by Republican Ken Peterson, uh, provides that any amount of a, quote, dangerous drug, end quote, in a driver's body results in the conclusion that the person is impaired. While the bill stipulates that if the drug has been prescribed by a licensed physician and taken as prescribed, the driver is not guilty of violating violating the law, it fails to include physician recommendations for medical marijuana. The bill thus fails to provide appropriate protection for patients, according to Jim Gingery, uh, the executive director of the Montana Medical Growers Association. He says, uh, to, ex- to exclude those drivers who are taking prescribed pharmaceuticals while omitting patients who are using a recommended alternative treatment is not in the best interest of the public, nor is the assumption of impairment without proper testing, uh, Gingery said. The Montana Medical Growers Association and the medical cannabis community are fully supportive of actions designed to reduce DUIs in the state of Montana. He he went on to say, uh, Montana leads the nation in the number of fatalities where alcohol is involved. While we applaud the legislature for wanting to tighten the laws regarding driving while intoxicated, they need to take into account how different drugs affect the ability of the driver and how long traces of different substances may remain in the system but have no impact on the patient. Gosh, that's the trifecta, brother, right there. Oh, well, he's from the Montana Medical Growers Association, so, so he should know these things. I thought we had three authorities speaking sense in one show. Okay. But uh, Gentry said this bill, while seeming to be uh, well-intentioned, it needs to be modified. It doesn't take into account that there are no standardized means to test a person. There we go again. Uh, who's utilizing medical cannabis as a recommended treatment. The current testing procedures will read positive up to 25 days after a person ingests medical cannabis. So it's kind of an all-or-nothing really dysfunctional way of testing. Um, it's not a really a fair test of impairment. Any driver um, definitely deserves the right to uh, an appropriate scientific-based formula to determine, uh, to determine their driving impairment, some sort of accurate you know, scientific-based test. Um, if the goal is to protect the citizens of Montana, then the legislators perhaps should hold off on making any changes until a standardized impairment test can be established uh, for both the pharmaceuticals for pharmaceuticals and medical cannabis. Um, That's according to the Medical Marijuana Growers Association. Recommendations for how this issue may be resolved are contained in the 2011 Legislator's Guide to Medical Cannabis. Um, It was distributed by the MMGA, the Medical Marijuana Growers Association, to both House and Senate members on Friday, and it is available online. You can go to solutionsformontana.org. But this story here uh, from uh, Toke of the Town, uh, will be posted, and at the bottom of the story, there's there's a little part that says, for more information on the legislator's guide, visit, um, and it has two links to where you can access this uh, guide to medical cannabis for the legislators. It should be um, interesting reading to check that out. But uh, the, this, the legislator's guide specifically requests that direction be given to the state crime lab to work with drug enforcement and the medical marijuana community to establish appropriate appropriate impairment guidelines for medical cannabis as has been done with alcohol. Imagine that the state crime lab is going to work with drug enforcement and medical marijuana community all working together for the greater good. It's fantasy land, man. 
Yeah. But that's what they're yeah. hoping to work toward. And hopefully this can, uh, hey, you know, think changes have to happen sometime. Eventually, it's inevitable. Just like uh, the, the changes in the laws and, you know, legalization of cannabis in, in, in wide swaths of our nation um, is pretty much inevitable, too. It's also inevitable that eventually the police are going to have to kind of change their stance or alter their course in order to still be tough, you know, I don't know what you want to call it, steroid-induced, you know, law enforcers, <laughs> and, uh, you know, not worry about cannabis anymore. So eventually right. the law, law enforcement is going to have to start changing. I think this is a great this, this is a great, uh, this is a great opportunity, but I mean, I think it's a really great process that we'll go through where they, they start involving everybody together and getting people used to trying to work, you know, together. Hopefully that'll work. I don't know. You know, Montana has been having a heck of a time lately arguing about all kinds of things. You've got people popping but, up saying, we're going to repeal the whole thing. We don't want to have medical cannabis at all. And it's like, wait a minute, really? Oh yeah. It's been a, been a battle up there ever since we started first covering this show. I mean, someone remember there was like a fire bombing and all huh. sorts of stuff. There's all, there's all sorts of stuff going on in Montana. There's actually two other, um, there were two other, uh, bills introduced, uh, just recently. I guess one is a Senate bill. One is a house bill. Uh, Senate Bill 154, which is uh, authored by uh, or sponsored by uh, Senator Dave Lewis, Republican of Helena, and uh, then one uh, by um, in the House by Representative Diane Sands, a Democrat of Missoula. Uh, and what they're looking to do is impose a 10% tax on growers' sales to uh, pay for the cost of regulation and uh, go for other issues. So this is not um, this is not. A sales tax like we get when we go and pay for something at the register, this is a tax on all the sales that a grower makes. So it's it's a little bit different, right? How do they keep track of that? Well, that's the reason why they want to do this. They're saying, um, he wanted, uh, Lewis says, I wanted to put something together, a licensing process that allows us to know how much marijuana is grown and where it's going. So this is, will be the process of this. And what they're going to do is, under Lewis's bill, um, well, first of all, it's going to be, it will be regulated by the revenue department, kind of like how bars are, 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 are um are uh, um, just like bars in the state of Montana. Um, mm. And there's going to be a quote, except there will be a quota system. Um, and every, um, every quarter, um, a dispensary or a, a grower would need to file a quarterly report with the revenue department. Uh, then the department would be allowed to inspect their premise if they wanted to and their records. And uh, the, the state agency would be allowed to determine whether the number of plants and amounts of usable marijuana a grower is authorized to possess actually reconciles with what the grower reported to the department. So this is one of those things where they've got to get real and get real educated on pot matters if they want to do this accurately. Other, they can't just walk into someone's bedroom and be like, oh, yeah, there's a $500,000 worth of weed there. Can't do that. This you know? is sophisticated. You're under arrest. You owe us uh, 50000 You You only paid us four four grand this year. You owe us uh, $46,000 more. Um, we're going to so put wait, you in jail. I, I have to like get a handle on how much this is. So how does this, it doesn't, oh, but it doesn't come out. It's not a sales tax. It's uh, It's not a sales tax that you pay for when you purchase weed retail. It's one kind of like your property taxes or So it's like, let's say you grew $35,000 worth of weed and sold it to dispensaries. Then you would Mm -hmm. need to pay them uh, $3,500 in taxes come February, I mean April. Um, Mm -hmm. 
That's basic, and, and it would be up to you every quarter to file a document with the with you know the Department of Revenue saying how much you grew, how much you paid. Probably pay a court. You'd probably just pay quarterly taxes. Is probably how it would work. And uh, they would have the right to then audit you if they wanted to, basically, just like any business, except they'd be coming to see the size of your garden and estimate your crop size and determine whether or not you've been reporting accurately on what you've done in the past and what you're doing now and what you're doing in the future and how much money you paid them, you know tax collectors um and uh then uh, this 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 money um which they believe would uh there's four they estimate there's 4700 growers in uh Montana and uh they believe that this would bring in uh, 4 million dollars annually and they would be using this money um to regulate the entire med- medical marijuana industry uh and any leftover would be distributed two ways half would go to local governments um based on the number of uh, licensed growers in that city or town, and the other half will go to the State Department of Public Health and Human Services, uh, which would then be spent on uh, social services that are list- – whatever will in- social services end up being listed in the bill. So um, this, is, uh, this is where they're going in, in Montana. Uh, uh, people think this some people think this is great especially people that want to uh, a pay as you go system where they're basically using the tax revenue to regulate the same business which you know makes sense if you want to have a balanced budget but um then other people are saying well this isn't fair you don't tax any other medicines uh and and, and it's very true Uh, cannabis double standard it is a cannabis double standard but hold on a second they do tax the income the federal government for sure taxes the income of pharmaceutical companies, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't. It's not like there's no taxes at all against well, drug companies. To. I don't know if they found loopholes or what actually ends up happening in the end, but yeah, they're supposed sure to. Sure, they find loopholes to pay less, but they still pay something. I mean, that'd we be hope. that'd be ridiculous. That'd be absolutely ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Okay. So here's what I have to say to that. If there is no, if there's no taxation against pharmaceutical companies and we're using that as our example of why pot shouldn't be taxed, it's stupid. Damn pharmaceutical companies should be taxed too. That just makes no sense. So, uh, I, you know, I I don't know. I mean, the sales tax thing is a different, is a whole different issue there. We, we don't pay any sales tax, um, as consumers for prescription drugs. So, but we do in most states for over-the-counter drugs. So that always brings back, you know, we've talked about this length many times in the show uh, in the past, uh, the issue of, well, was pot more like a prescription drug or is it more like an over-the-counter drug? I think it should be closer to more like an over-the-counter drug. However, some people, um, like we'll talk about here in a minute in uh, Arizona and other states, really want it to be more and more like a, you know, followed and, like a like a prescription type sort of drug, so hyper regulated, super regulated, yeah, super regulated. I mean, and, and, and you know, over the counter drugs are regulated too. I mean, there's no doubt about that; they're regulated as well, um, and they're they're highly regulated too. But it's uh, this is a that's a that's a sales tax issue right there, and this is actually like a kind of like a um a, um income tax on growers based off of what how much they're selling it's not like a a percentage every time every dollar you know like every dollar that's sold retail because they don't even sell a lot of growers sell wholesale so they're going to tax them based off of 
basically what they're profiting. I think what they're profiting. Now, this says of sales. If they're talking about total sales, that's that's a pretty high tax, a 10% tax. Like let's say you generate $35,000 in tax because you sold $35,000 worth of product and they want you to pay $3,500. Well, the the thing that sucks about that is maybe you put 10000 into expenses. So you only really profited 2500 and then you end up paying, you know, 3500 in tax, which uh, mm-hmm. is, is much higher than 10% actually. It's, uh, mm-hmm. what is it? Significantly. Yeah, it's, that's 14% in tax. So um, we'll, we'll follow this. This is the stuff that's going on and it, all over California, all over medical states. They're trying to figure out how best to tax this, what's the fair way to go, and how can they use the money efficiently to regulate the system, the, you know, the economy of, of medical marijuana. Um, Sounds like they're uh, working it out. That's what's going to be necessary everywhere. You know, we talked about that a long time ago. You know, it's just it's just something they have to go through. It's going to be maybe unpleasant. There'll certainly be some growing pains, but they just have to have to work it out and get this stuff. Uh, I don't know, figured out between uh, the and everybody has to come together like they were proposing in Montana. Hopefully, that some of these programs where they're they're going to incorporate all the parties together, working you know in conjunction with one another. Yes. Arizona, move to the southwest now. Arizona is trying to work in conjunction with itself. They're so efficient. They've only passed a medical marijuana initiative three times, and finally they're getting (laughs) a little bit closer to uh, implementing it. However, um, supposedly they're supposed to have it implemented within four months. Uh, they put the. They just recently propo- made their their pot rules uh, proposal on their on their. Um, what is that the ADH website? So I guess that's the. Um, I don't know what. To, oh, Arizona Department of Health Services is the department name, um, and wow. they they put they made the rules up. Uh, here, so let's just discuss these proposed rules that. So lots now of people, they're done with all the rules, or this is what they've come up with so far. These are proposals. This is what they've come okay. up with so far. These are the ones that have had the most the mo- and I'm gonna, we're going to talk about the ones that have the most uh, have had the most concern from people. The biggest issue that people were concerned about is a patient's issue. They propose that you need for you to get a recommendation, you need to have been the, the doctor that gives you the recommendation, you need to have seen him for one year and he needed to, you needed to or him or her and you needed to visit with them at least four times just to get a recommendation. Mm. It's loony. Mm. I want to get recommendations loony. over Skype. I don't even think recommendations are necessary. But if we're going to have to have them because it's an incremental step towards legalization, then... It's not necessary to pay for four office visits to get there, right? Or take a whole year. That's not good. That doesn't get people medicine. I mean, so how how does that work? So first of all, that means no one will be able to get a card tomorrow because the majority of doctors do not recommend pot because they've mm-hmm. they won't and there's pot so all these so once they implement these rules then everyone will have to change their primary f- care physician to a pot someone that will give them pot and they'll have to wait a year to get so the then recommendation. that guy is going to have a disproportionate number of people coming to him and they're going to immediately tag on the stigma that he's a some sort of a drug dealer by in effect and then they'll raid him and he'll get arrested and all these patients will go without help maybe i I think that's kind of a stretch (laughs) i think that's a stretch but i think that it's a major this is a major problem people that need that realize hey maybe marijuana would be good for my condition oh well now you've got to find a new doctor that will 
give you a recommendation for marijuana so you can legally, legally use it. And you need to see him four times in the next year. And then in a year from now, you can get your recommendation. Sounds like a headache. Sounds like wow. something a cancer patient or an AIDS patient or an MS yeah. patient or anyone that has any sort of, you know, reasonable immediate necessity need. and ne- immediate need to use marijuana like i have back spasms dude and i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to have to deal a whole year with not being able to smoke pot for my back spasms and um you definitely you know, don't that, pharmaceuticals it's a long wait and a lot it of is. money in seeing doctors now here's the other Jeez. thing they're they're, they're it has to take a year a year you won't be able to get a card okay. without waiting a year and you had to visit with the doctor four at least t- four times at wow. least four times um all right what was the other one oh okay so here's the list of what um they are going to allow uh, a lot of people complain that they didn't allow they didn't put enough reasons to get medical marijuana in Arizona on there. Uh, like they ex- have so far have excluded PTSD. They have excluded, really? de- they've excluded depression and they've, uh, ang- ang- uh, ex- excluded social anxiety disorders and other sorts of, of disorders of the same. The current qualifying conditions are cancer, glaucoma, HIV, AIDS, hepatitis C, ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, right? Mm-hmm. Crohn's disease, or a chronic disease. So here's where you get into the one that, that's the chronic disease, right? The vague one. A chronic disease that causes any of the following. Wasting syndrome, severe and chronic pain, severe nausea, seizures, or severe or pers- persistent muscle spasms, which is what I would three, call it. Three out of mm-hmm. five, man. Woohoo! Yeah. So you, oh, and you just have to cause visits. any of the following. Yeah. But then you have to prove it for, for a year, four times to your doctor or whatever and find the right doctor. Ask nine, because if I went to my doctor for five minutes, he'd go, wow, does that happen all the time? Yeah. <laughs> he'd see me getting zapped, my electrical system going, all shaking and stupid. Yeah. That's stupid. Is that, is that proposed? These are proposed. So as we know, they, so I think they have to have this implemented within four months of the election, right? Or of once uh, the processes were verified, or once the election results were verified, which I believe was like uh, it took yeah, like ten days or something. And in, in uh, Arizona, is a long time for that for the vote to to turn around. We thought it failed, remember? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. so it's like November fifteenth, and so like December fifteenth, January fifteenth, February. So it, this program needs to be up and running by February. So we're you know, a couple months away, uh, I mean, by March, it needs to be up and running. We're a couple months away from it needing to being implemented. So these are the current proposals. So there's probably not too much change there. They have on this website, which is the uh, Arizona Department of Health and um, uh, Health Services, Arizona Department of Health Services, which is uh, www.azdhs.gov. And then you can do slash prop 203 slash, and you can comment on these. And there, there's been a ton ton of comments on this um the other thing that people were, are commenting on big time on here are the the fees it's going to be 150 dollars a year to be a patient jeez um, they have some kind of program uh, likely that will help people that can't cover that right no not yet they have not proposed anything uh-huh. of the sort um wow. and and it will be 200 dollars a year to pay for uh, a fee for a, a caregiver's card so 
people, some people like the structure because they say it's going to discourage people who don't really have qualifying illnesses mm-hmm. from easily being approved of a card. These people are short-sighted. They don't understand marijuana yeah. can help. Because that would be disastrous. Yeah, for people to be using marijuana peacefully in their homes. It's just it's such a Because, you know, deal. without those laws and stuff, nobody is really doing that at home. Right. Um, just to apply to become a dispensary in, so here's another one. Just to apply to become a dispensary in Arizona, it costs $5,000. It's a non-refundable application fee. Yeah. Uh, well, we better be in for the long haul. Right. And this is one of those things that definitely um, keeps it to where only those that have can get involved in the business. Um, and some people are like, that stops organized crime. And it's like, no, no, no. Organized crime can afford $5,000. That's not a big deal. Um, and, uh, you know, but those that are, you know, kind of like really into this as a thing and have been into it for a long time and are way small time, they're, they're not going to be opening dispensaries. It'll keep it in the hands of those that, those that have. Um, and the other thing is for you to uh, open a dispensary in Arizona, um, you have to have lived in Arizona for at least two years. And this was actually received really well by people, apparently, um, because they would like to keep out-of-state you know, people from moving in and investing and starting up businesses there or whatever, and that's a state-by-state. That's a, you know, this is a state thing. But here's the, here's the thing. This is one of those cannabis-only rules. Like, what other mm-hmm. business does this occur in? I don't know of any. Like, hey, you can't come to California and start selling booze today. Sure you can. If you can afford to pay for the licensing and the regulation, the fees and everything, you can. Or tobacco or whatever. Um, This is one of those cannabis-only rules. It's kind of weird simply for that reason. But I do understand your economic desire to... To keep it local, to keep you know, keep people flooding in. There's uh, there's two two two, two so totally is- different issues I see there. The one where it's a cannabis only regulation. Why are we treating cannabis any differently than we do other businesses? And then the the you know, you guys wanting to keep your money local and keep your businesses local. So that is uh, that's uh, that's where Arizona's at. They're two months away from needing to Man. implement this program, and. Um, they're it's busy. Seen. I like a lot of what they got so far, but boy, there's some serious holes they need to address, huh? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's expensive. It's going to be mm-hmm. expensive for people. What are they going to do about people that can't afford $150 a year? What are they going to do about people that can't afford going to the doctor four times a year but still have an issue? Um, and then making people wait that long, that's kind of... That's just yeah. ludicrous. That part, I don't, I don't have, I have no idea what's up with that part. That's goofy. Yeah, we're going to follow this more in depth because before we Absolutely. know it, it'll be passed and then we can read mm-hmm. then we can go through it, it way thoroughly what actually is. But those are the pro- proposed rules that have been kind of, uh, you know, they've been a little bit um, controversial. So wow. Arizona's getting a little closer. They're so efficient. Nice. <laughs> proposed rules, you know, they only yeah. really matter right. when they take effect. Um, yeah. Some amazingly positive proposed rules going on in uh, Illinois right now. We've been covering Illinois, their medical marijuana legislation, um, got all the way through the system, went right to the very end, even went to the very end of the extension, the little veto session at the very, very end of the General Assembly in our state. The representative uh, of the Honorable Lou Lang 
Um, a great guy, man. He is totally and legitimately an advocate for uh, cannabis patients uh, or you know medical patients that that can utilize cannabis to mitigate disa- disabling circumstances. He gets it. Um, he's passionately fighting for uh, cannabis patients. He had me about eighty percent in his camp. Well. I think about, yeah, about 80, 80 plus percent in his camp when I first met him because I just didn't know anything about him. And I've, you know, with all these years of seeing this stuff, you, you don't really trust these people 100 percent until you see what they're doing. You know, they got to walk the walk. That's the only way you'll really know it. Kind of believe it when you see it. And uh, this guy, I'm happy to say, is completely given to this cause. He has stated adamantly and and publicly openly on the house floor he will continue to do this until he's not even on the on the general assembly anymore. And that's a long time. He said, I'm, um, he's the majority whip. He's a former prosecutor. So that gives him inroads with the law enforcement community. And he's also, uh, he's 61 right now. So he's got some time left and, uh, true to his word. I am very, very happy to say that he has introduced already. And it says on the, uh, Illinois general assembly website that this was pre-filed on 12, 2010. <laughs> so he's he was in there waiting for the year to turn over and start this effort again. I think that makes a really strong statement on his behalf by doing that the way he did. He has uh, put forth House Bill 30, the Compassionate Use of Medical Cannabis Pilot Program Act, and it would allow qualified patients to possess and grow medical marijuana, um, obviously for medicinal reasons. He said uh, this uh, actually on the Illinois General Assembly site, the bill status of HB uh, 30, um, it's the 97th General Assembly that's going to put this one through. Um, it, the synopsis, as introduced, reads as follows. It creates the Compassionate Use of Medical Cannabis Pilot Program Act. It provides that when a person has been diagnosed by a physician as having a de- debilitating medical condition, the person and the person's primary caregiver may be issued a registry identification card by the Department of Public Health that permits the person or the person's primary caregiver to legally possess no more than six cannabis plants, two ounces of dried usable cannabis. Um, very strict still, very tightly regulated, but that should that should bode well for us getting this passed. I don't understand it. But the, anyway, the, the synopsis continues to say it amends the Cannabis Control Act to make conforming changes, introducing or including that any registered qualifying patient or registered primary caregiver who distributes cannabis to someone who is not allowed to use cannabis and, and pay attention to this one uh, is subject to a penalty enhancement of not more than two years in prison or a fine of not more than $2,000 or both for abuse of the Compassionate Use of Medical Cannabis Pilot Program Act. Um, It provides that the act is repealed three years after its effective date. So we put a sunset clause thing in there. Um, Repeals the research provisions of the Cannabis Control Act, provides that the Department of Public Health shall develop and disseminate educational information about the health risk associated with the abuse of cannabis and prescription meds. Um, It provides that the department shall promulgate promulgate rules uh, governing the manner in which it shall consider applications for and renewals of registration certificates for medical cannabis organizations and provides that the provisions of the act are severable effective immediately. So if you look at that one kind of elongated paragraph there, he, he kind of addresses, well, strongly addresses actually every major argument that opposition um, has to medical cannabis, you know? Yeah. If he's this one doesn't go done. anywhere, yeah, yeah, he's he's vowed. He said, uh, you know, openly, look, I'm going to get this done. Period. That's it. 
You know, I'm not going to stop until it happens. And everybody knows it's inevitable. Even the naysayers know it's it's not if it's when. So get off the get off the 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 super, you know, I don't know even what they're on there. It's, it's not a soapbox. It's some kind of for weird those, ideological for those politicians. Stance. For those politicians that don't want it, it almost seems more beneficial to go ahead and pass it earlier because the earlier versions you guys are, are going to do are going to be more restrictive. The longer you wait the less restrictive right. it's going to be each time. They're going to be like, well, yep. fine, we, we've taken so long. Well, we're going to make this – this time we're going to try and ram it through, and it's not going to be even nearly as restrictive as the last time. And then the next time, the same thing. So it's like really if you're hating on it, like eh, maybe like passing it earlier on is like better for you because then it's going to be more restrictive than ones that are going to pass eventually anyways. so Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you hear that, guys? Hint, hint, take action now. Right. It's only going to get while looser. It's hot. Right? Well, it's tight. Well, that shit's tight. Yeah. It's tight, man. Wow. That was a doozy of a show, bro. That was a pretty good one, man. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Uh, that's <laughs> no, I was like, talking to you. Oh, I'm ha- happy to be here. <laughs> Me happy as well. That's a good thing. Good thing. Yes, and thank all you out there for, for listening to us as well. We appreciate it. Hopefully you got yeah. some information you can use. Something will spark a conversation. <laughs> You know, a deep discussion, maybe a laugh, you know, whatever you can muster up. We hope you're enjoying yep. the program. Give us some uh, input. What do you think? Like it? What could we do better? What would you not like to see? What pisses you off? Suggestions? I don't know. Let us know what you think. Um, Want to tell them how to get a hold of us? Yo, check us out, CannabisAgenda.com. We're going to be put make some changes to the website. So, uh, you know, probably, you know, not everyone probably just goes to the website all that often, but you can go there. There is stuff there currently, and we will be we will be uh, vamping it up eventually here soon. Um, you can email us, info at CannabisAgenda.com, uh, anytime you'd like with any sort of uh, anything you want to talk about. Phone call, 707-654-CAN-C-A-N-N, which is 2266 um, search us on iTunes, subscribe to us there. Oh yeah. Leave reviews there too, please. And if, um, if you could mm-hmm. use the word marijuana yeah, in the review, that'd be great. Um, we are on Twitter and Facebook. You can follow us there. Please suggest us to your friends. Looks like we've got a clip, a clip, clip, clip for the end of the show. Judge, uh, what's do, my guy. Yeah. Your guy, judge Jim Gray from orange County, real mm, judges of orange back. County. Stick around for that. That's at the end of the show. Hey y'all. What, 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 Thank you so much for being a part of this. We really, really appreciate it. And we will, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Peace Absolutely. and pot. Yeah. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the cannabis agenda, your weekly source for cannabis related news and informed discussion. We podcast for an hour every Monday covering topics related to cannabis legalization, medical marijuana, and market-related information. You can follow online with us at CannabisAgenda.com. Why do you think um, America has failed in the war on drugs? You ask me why I believe our current drug policy of drug prohibition is not working, and the evidence is all around us. It's just that people are not focusing on it. If you look at it, 
these drugs, even though they can be dangerous, have been with us since the beginning of mankind. There's never been a society on the face of the earth that has not had some mind-altering, sometimes addicting drugs to use, abuse, and get addicted to. So the question is, if they're going to be here, if they're going to be harmful, let's take steps to reduce that harm, understanding that they will never go away no matter what we do. So what we are doing now in our country with drug prohibition is compounding the problems because the drug money is much more dangerous really than the drugs themselves. And that takes on a micro or a macro aspect that is really unbelievable. If you or anyone else would start to look into this more deeply, you would be horrified at the unnecessary harm that we are inflicting upon ourselves. The harm is mostly inflicted upon our children. We are continuing with this failed policy, basically to do it for our kids. We're trying to keep these sometimes dangerous drugs away from our children. The problem is the drug money, in effect, puts our children in harm's way for two reasons. Number one, it is easier for our children, our underage adults, to get any form of illegal drug, be it marijuana or anything else, than it is a six-pack of beer. Why? Because as soon as you prohibit something, you give up your ability to regulate and control it. And so, basically, the drug dealers don't ask for ID. And you talk to any of the high school kids, underage kids that you want, they'll tell you the same thing they tell me. It's easier to get any illicit drug than it is alcohol. Number two is the drug money is recruiting children to sell drugs. They see and they realize they'll probably never be able to make as much money on anything as they can by selling drugs. And then, of course, who do they sell to? You and me? No. They sell to their 14, 15, 16-year-old peers, thus recruiting more children into a lifestyle of drug usage and drug selling. It is not a pretty picture. And what's, what's the answer? What is your proposal? You... You, like everyone else, will ask, what's the answer? And there is no answer. There's no solution to this problem. There's only a resolution. And the resolution is to reduce the harm that can and will be caused from these drugs in our communities. What I would do if I were king of California uh, would be, or king of the United States, King James has a real ring to it, but it hasn't quite caught on yet, but allow each state to decide how best to serve its people. And then one state may come up with something that works pretty well. Another state will come up with something that doesn't. Well, what's that second state going to do? They're going to look around and think, gee, wait a minute. There's got to be a better way. Let's look at this first state and try what they're doing. It's called federalism. And we now have 50 crucibles of democracy, in effect, in our country, plus the District of Columbia, that can try to figure out what works. And I assure you, the federal government does not have all of the answers. In fact, what we're doing now flat out is not working. So that's what I would do. If I were in King of California, because that's where I live, I would basically start with marijuana. I would treat marijuana like alcohol. What would happen if we were to do that? Five things, all of them beneficial. The first thing that would happen is we in California alone, as taxpayers, could save a billion dollars that each year we spend in a futile effort to eradicate marijuana and incarcerate nonviolent marijuana users. And by the way, marijuana is the largest cash crop in the state of California today. Number two is grapes, if you care. So we could save that billion dollars. The second thing we could do is tax the silly stuff and generate revenue of about a billion and a half dollars every year. So now we have a two and a half billion dollar change in our budget deficit you'd think somebody would notice. The third thing trumps the first two. 
and that is we would make marijuana less available for our children than it is today because today the marijuana users or sellers do not ask for ID. We couldn't make this drug more available if we tried. The fourth thing that would happen is it would negate the entire medical marijuana issue. People who need this, this medical marijuana could get it through their medical doctors or otherwise, and it would get the federal government basically out of this business, uh, which would be a really good thing. And the fifth thing is that we could reclaim the whole entire hemp industry. Uh, that is a valuable commodity, and if you look into it, it's amazing what people can make from hemp. So those are the five things, and it would be simply loony not to do this.